This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Cohen from his own 40. Going the wrong way. Trying to reverse field, and look at this. He's got some blockers now. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? Oh my goodness! Chicago's game day. Here's Mankata. That ball hard in center field. Stretch! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Yes! Trubisky escapes again and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go! Trubisky is out inside the 30. There's the athleticism for the rookie. In the deep left center, it's back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Well, welcome on in, everyone. Fred Hubner with you. The what do you call it's not working on this? The uh, volume dial is like sticking. Oh yeah, so that's why I couldn't hear myself at the 903, beginning. Nine oh three, we're already we're already in. Fred's always, camp. Co- already, already complaining. Jeez, <laughs> welcome on in, Fred Hubner, along with Adam Abdallah. We will check in with Chris Black as um, Eric puts up on the uh, Twitter. Uh, Chris misses us so much; he will call in around eleven o'clock. He's in Detroit, getting ready for UIC's um, tournament action and a tournament that makes absolutely no sense. But we will talk about that also when he uh, joins us a little bit later on. we got a lot to talk about. Arthur Arkers from Pro Football Weekly talking Bears and Combine. Uh, Jesse Rogers at 10 o'clock. He is in Arizona for a couple more days before he actually gets a break. Uh, my MLB notebook at around 10.30. And we are hoping, before we get out of here, since tonight is the Academy Awards, the Oscars, we hope to be talking with Adnan Verk a little bit later on tonight. They announced... I think they announced yesterday or the day before who's going to be the uh, people that are giving away the the top award. I think it was I think Jennifer Lawrence and Jennifer Lawrence and um, another actress. You know, in the whole Me Too era. So yes. Yeah. So. Well, it would have been weird to have. Uh, well, you can't have. Who was it? Who won last year? Well, Affleck. You can't yeah, have. you can't have Casey Affleck yeah. giving away uh-huh. the. Uh, and I I, I kind of thought. I thought for a moment there I heard that they were going to bring back uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway to do it again. I don't see why they can't do it. Uh, why not? Why not? What the heck? And Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, that's, that's who it is. That's it. And there's going to be like a thousand jokes about the er, the mistake last year. Sure there will. Where they gave out the award to the wrong movie, you know? Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. The promos it. have all been about that. You know, I, I kind of like the SAG Awards because... It's only actors, and you don't sit through. And I understand. I, you know, I started as a producer. You, you know, you don't have to sit through. You know, best production, best set design, best lighting, best all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Tonight, you have to sit through all that. Just about. Well, and all the stuff in between, like all the bits and all the like. They have to perform each. You got to perform each song. Each song, really? Yeah. I got to hear each song from a movie. Can you just play clips of it? Go from there. This isn't the Grammys. No. I don't want to see the performance of the song. No. 
I don't either. But, you know, and, and I'll have it on throughout the course of the evening. And my wife and I, we like sitting there watching the award shows. But to be honest with you, this is the one I probably like the least because it goes so long. Oh, yeah. You know, and it just goes forever. Well, the segments are two hours. I know. It's perfect. Boom, 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 boom. We're done. They, We're out of they, here. They have the actual SAG Awards and then replay the SAG Awards in the time it takes for the actual Oscars. Yeah, they do. And, and it's, and it's uh, I've seen some of the movies. I've not seen all the movies. And uh, I, I didn't see the theaters. I don't remember the last couple of years, the AMCs would do a thing where the Saturday before the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. they would show all the movies. Because remember, for a while there, there were like ten movies up for the award, yeah. and some one year there's, was eight. There's nine this year. Yeah, so yeah. they change it around. A ten, I think, is the max, and you could go on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock and stay all day and catch mm-hmm. every movie, which was a great deal if you didn't see any of the movies. Yeah, but if you saw like three of them, it's like okay, well, I saw the, I, I didn't see the first one, I saw the next two, but I didn't see four and five. So now what are you going to do? Well, I know you can go to uh, there's smaller theaters around the city here that you can go to and watch all the documentaries and the short film really? documentaries. Those yeah. I'd actually like to see because they are short. A lot of them, a, can, a lot a of them are hour. out there because they're from Netflix now. Like, there's a couple that are on Netflix. There's a couple that are on HBO. So you, you have there. These are all accessible. You just got to find them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, sometimes you got to look for some stuff on Netflix, and you go, oh, "Yeah, I heard about this. Someone told me." And you're there searching and searching yeah. and looking, and finally find it. So we're going to talk, uh, obviously, a lot of sports because that's what we do here. Um, they told us that's what we do. So we're coming in talking sports. <laughs> Jesse will be with us. I got some stuff for Jesse. Uh, Jesse's happy because everybody looks like him in, in uh, Cubs camp now. They're all bald. Well, I was looking for news out of Cubs camp for today's show, and yeah. it's like, oh, they're bald now. Yeah. And it's a great cause. No, no, no. Don't get I, me wrong. No, I did It's it. awesome, yeah. I, I emceed a charity event for St. Baldrick's Day. I do it. I've done it six of the last seven years um, out in uh, for the Franklin Park Fire Department on uh, Friday night. So I missed that. That, I missed that Bulls Dallas game. Uh, you know, and I didn't even see the end where they went out a sixteen overrun or something like that you, to win the game. Do you know what they did? I know you don't want to talk tanking because if I can, if I can pull back the curtain a little bit, yeah, you can definitely. If I can pull yeah. back the curtain a little, something bit, I tweeted to you and Eric yesterday. The text message that I got from Fred that Eric is on this as well yesterday at. Ten fifty five during a break of Murph and Fred, uh-huh. so at least you're not you're distracted during the show. Right, football and baseball Sunday morning, combine Bears, Cubs, White Sox, national stuff, NBA, but please no tanking talk. Yes, I will. This is the only thing I'm going to talk about tanking. The Bulls, you want to talk about the ultimate tank? Not only did Dallas at one point only have four players on the court. Yeah, I saw that. The Bulls couldn't score uh-huh. with only four players on the court. You yeah. want to talk about like the worst tanking possible? That is like they just send <laughs> that thirty second clip to Adam Silver and go, just let these teams not play yeah. any more games this season. I know, I know. The whole thing's crazy. I just get more frustrated the more the more it's talked about because any league that has a third of its teams trying to lose is just not not good for me. Yeah. Yeah, I understand they're doing playing by the rules and all that kind of stuff. But that's that, as far as I'm concerned, that could be the end of our tanking yeah, talk. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I got worked up yesterday as I was sitting there watching uh, Major League Soccer kick off their season. The Fire start the regular season next Saturday night at Toyota Park, a five o'clock game against Sporting Kansas City. But I was watching a couple of games, and I had the NBA game up in the corner. And I saw, you know, every time I would look up, there would be another run. There would be a team up by six or be a team up by seven. Well, all of a sudden it's tied. Then we go back and forth. And uh, it seemed like an interesting game. And I know I saw James Harden after the contest. And uh, the, the last 
like four seconds seemed like it took forever. It I, could, I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing. It, I there's a lot of reviews that. and yeah. possession plays and yeah. players going out of bounds and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that that was the that was the case for pace of play in the NBA was the last sure. five minutes of five actual minutes, which was four seconds of game time. Yeah, which which was absolutely crazy. But the thing that got me and a lot of other people going, if you're on Twitter, was what John Mullen had tre- tweeted out, and then everybody had opinions on the possibility of the Bears making a deal and sending their running back Jordan Howard and the number 8 pick to Miami for Jarvis Landry, the number 11, and a third round pick. I know you were talking about it, and it, it's a situation where you know, the Bears need wide receivers. We all know the Bears need wide receivers. I think it's a lot to pay a guy like Jarvis Landry, but he's going to get it because they're going to franchise him. So, you know, that kind of money is going to be there for him. Um, but I just think that he's a, it's a lot of money to spend a guy that's not a guy that, you know, breaks down the field much. Okay. He's a slot receiver. And actually, Brad Biggs had some great stuff today mm-hmm. about, um, Jarvis Landry. Second round pick in 2014. 400 receptions his first four seasons. That sounds good, right? He hasn't missed a game since entering the league. Produced career highs with 112 catches and nine touchdowns this past year. Jay Cutler quarterback. And you figure, hey, that's not bad. 60 of Landry's 112 catches went for first downs. Seventh most. That's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. What do you hate to see? You hate to see, and I talked to Bears tight end Daniel Brown about this, when he caught a pass on uh, third and eight, and he caught a six-yard pass. I said, Really, you couldn't have gone those extra two yards before you. He said, "I ran the route. I was the third. I was he the ran third. the route, and yeah. there's, there's two two hundred pound guys trying to force him the yeah. other way. Yeah, but Brad Biggs also said Landry averaged eight point eight yards per catch last season as a slot receiver, and is not going to strike fear in opposing defenses. He gained twenty yards or more on six catches. Six catches. Josh Bellamy had four catches like that last year. So is Jarvis Landry the kind of wide receiver you want? For that kind of thing. Now, Landry, and I don't care about 40 times, but Landry's 40 time was uh, 477, which I think Waddle ran faster than that, oh. or close. I think Waddle might, might have ran a 48, but but anyway. Um, so I don't, I, watching Jarvis Landry, I, I always think that he's a guy that can catch the ball over the middle and sometimes go, for, go a distance. But if he only had six catches for more than 20 yards last year, mm-hmm. that's not the kind of guy you want in this kind of offense. You want a guy that's going to catch the ball and, you know, break out. And they don't have anybody right now, so I guess he would be an improvement. Well, here's, I guess, here's the the devil's advocate take, I guess, is that Jarvis Landry is a good wide receiver. He's not a break-off speed kind of guy. He's not going to beat his guy. He's a slot receiver that gets open, hopefully, right? Right. That's what you just said. Now, the deal itself doesn't look horrible because you would take the Bears' eighth pick, Jordan Howard, send it to... Um, Miami. Miami for Jarvis Landry, their 11th overall pick, and a third-round pick. So you would gain a third-round pick that you don't have. Yeah, that you, you would give it up You'd for. get Jarvis Landry, and you wouldn't have to give up another first-round pick because you'd get the right. 11th overall pick. You would then have to spend one of your picks on another running back because right. Jordan Howard's gone. Your first, Tariq, second, or third-round pick. Well, yeah, because yeah. Tariq Cohn's not an every-down back. He's he's a nice slot guy as well. He's a decent, you know, change-of-pace guy as well. But you need an every-down back. Now, to me, Jordan Howard, and I've said it a bunch of times, 
Jordan Howard's definition is Jordan Howard is a running back in the NFL. That's all he can do. Uh-huh. He can run. He can run straight, and that's it. Yeah. He can't catch, and he he's not really a speed guy. No, he gets caught from behind. He gets caught from behind a lot. He's he's a decent cutter, but basically. He is a running back in the NFL, and there's 25 of those in the draft. Yeah. So I, I don't mind the well. I'm not paying. I'm only going to pay this guy. Jarvis Landry is only worth 12 million. I'm not paying him 15 million. I don't care about. It's that. It's not our money. He they got 80 million under the cap. You so got 80 can... million dollars. You gave Mike Lennon 18 million. Right. So this won't be the worst deal you make. Bucky Brooks went through from the NFL Network and picked out Pro Bowl wide receivers or wide receivers that were taken day one. Okay. In the last three drafts. In 2015, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett, and Amari Cooper. Uh-huh. Okay? It's 2016, Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, and La- Laquan Treadwell. In 2017, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross. Only one of those names is a pro bowler, and that's Amari Cooper. He's the only number one ride receiver on that list. Yeah. As of right now, I don't trust Ryan Pace to do much of anything. Okay. Because he hasn't drafted wide receivers well. He hasn't been able to do anything in free agency. So if the only way you're going to get decent players is through through trading for one of the good wide receivers, because people are saying, oh, sign Sammy Watkins, sign this. Well, you have a lot of money, and those are the best wide receivers on the market. They're going to command a lot of money. Sammy Watkins is going to get a lot of money. So is Jar- Jarvis Landry is going to get around fifteen, sixteen million a year. Yeah. So that's what he's going to get. So just you, that's I don't think it's a bad deal, and I think you can use your second uh, round draft pick or th- the third round draft pick you would get to find a better running back for the system than Jordan Howard. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Your thoughts on the possibility of that trade? Also, your thoughts on Jarvis Landry? And also, do you think it's? Um, Albert Wilson or Jarvis Landry? Do you think that's the decision they're sitting there making? Is that are they the same type guy, or is 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 no? Because I is think Wilson more bodies. of a is Wilson more of a gadget guy than a Landry is. Landry's an every down guy. Wilson's a guy that he may play every down, but he's not. You're not going to throw him the same routes. I think that you just need bodies because you don't know what well, you don't know what Kevin White's going to be. You don't know any of this. So I don't I think don't it's know, a big either. thing in the Sun Times with this picture when he was on vacation with I know, his brother. Right? Yeah, yeah, but where's his legs? Yeah, he's lost his legs. Yeah, they didn't show his legs. They he's showed his upper body. He's lost his legs. Uh-huh. So... I think you. I don't think it's an either or. I think you just have to go out and get these guys. I think that Albert Wilson's going to be a bear. Yeah. That's, so do I. So I don't think it's a. It's an either or. There are so many holes to fill on this team, offensively and defensively, and with only seven picks, maybe eight picks if you make this trade. That's all you've got, and then you've got eighty million, but. This free agent class isn't great. I don't know what you're going to spend the $80 million on if Sammy Watkins is the best free agent out there, right? Right. So you might as well make this trade and hope it works out because otherwise, I don't know what you're doing. You don't have any difference makers on your team. Right. There, You have none. No, you don't. Especially no, on offense. Yeah, and and again, I, I'm a big fan of Cameron Meredith, but Cameron Meredith is a two, if anything. He's not your number one guy. He showed that he can catch the ball. He had 66 catches for 888 yards in a bad season two years ago for the Bears. And the one thing that, or at least one thing, that was said the other day by um, Matt Nagy, the coach of the Bears. It could take me a while to get used to him saying he was the coach of the Bears. But he said they need... High IQ wide receivers, guys that are smart, guys that are intelligent. Well, Cam Meredith played quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Most quarterbacks are relatively intelligent. Yeah. Not all of them. Johnny Manziel, other guys. But, I mean, most quarterbacks are relatively intelligent because they've got to be. They've got to call the plays. They've got to know the plays. They've got to do other things. And um, so I think Cameron Meredith is a guy that can you can figure. Anything you get from Kevin White would be a bonus. Anything. Yeah. Because we haven't gotten anything from him. He's going to be here. Um, you know, unless they decide finally to to just cut him and get rid of him, I thought they should do that last year. And everyone said, "Well, no, you shouldn't do that." And then, you know, then he gets hurt right off the bat. Yeah. So it wouldn't have made much of a difference. But you're right; they really don't have a lot. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Dontrell Inman. Are they going to bring him? I think he's still under contract. For I think it was a two year deal. So he's. I think he's still going to be here. Um, and I still like Kendall Wright as a slot receiver. I think he he's a guy that late in the season last year, Mitchell Trubisky actually got a little rapport going with Kendall Wright. Mm-hmm. And I, I like him. I think he can do that job um, if you don't get another slot receiver. But if you bring in Jarvis Landry, that's what he does. Now, is Jarvis Landry good enough to be a one or a two? I don't think so. I think he's a good two. Inman's a free agent, too. He's an unrestricted free agent. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. So here's I was looking at the, uh, the game log last year for... Um, for Kendall Wright. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just seeing things. Okay. His, uh, the games at the end of the year last year, he had uh, five catches, four catches, seven. He had 10 catches against Cincinnati, 10 for 107. Um, he had some nice games late in the season. I think the last four games he had 11, 21, uh, 26, 26 catches the last four games. That's not bad for the Bears considering, I think, for the year he had 59. Mm-hmm. Okay, 26 of those were at the end of the season. So he had almost half his catches the last four games. When Mitchell Trubisky was looking for help, he had a guy. Yeah. Uh, because Adam Shaheen wasn't that guy because Shaheen was, you know, in and out and hurt and then not, not smart enough to figure out the offense That's or another whatever. position you need. Well, yeah, you do. You need somebody. I don't know that you're going to be drafting a guy. Um, I think they'll draft a backup. I think because I don't know if there's any if there's any decent free agents out there at tight end. But you want your Travis Kelsey type of. Play. I'm like sure you do. Like well, they're comparing still think... him to the Chiefs and all this kind of stuff, you know, because of Nagy. But yeah. you want that's the kind of players that you want. I asked the question once Nagy first came here. I said, "Let me ask you: Can uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen become uh, Alex Smith, Kareem Hunt, and?" Uh, Tyreek Hill. Same, I mean, same positions. Yeah. Oh, and I, I forgot, I forgot Shaheen and Kelsey. Shaheen and Kelsey. I don't, th- I don't know if Shaheen. Kelsey's can, one of the best. Well, because Shaheen was always compared. You know, like you had like, like oh, we're getting, we're getting the new Gronk. Like right. that's, that's what we're getting this big tight end that can that dominated his position. Well, he. Do, didn't dominate in Division One football, so I mean he play, was playing against guys that were significantly smaller than yes, him. Yes, he worked so, with guys that right now are selling cars or working in accounting offices. Exactly, except for uh-huh. three cone. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like he could be. I don't know what Matt Nagy is going to do with these guys in his system, right? But I know that they need they need weapons, and you can't Dontrell Inman. Like, oh, who's Dontrell Inman? You know, like he. Like you, I want guys. Like I want, I want Amari Cooper for Mitchell Trubisky. Like I want those. Well, do type- you really? I mean, ever since his first good year, he's been dropping, doing nothing but dropping the but ball. But I want those literally type dropping of players. the ball. I want those type yeah. of players. I want Odell Beckham Jr. for Mitchell Trubisky. I want the wide receiver that other teams are afraid to face. Because uh-huh. if you look at the division and you look at the teams that the Bears are going to have to face next season, you look at the possibility right now, Chris Mortensen said that, you know, that um, 
uh, Kirk Cousins' best fit is the Vikings. Whether they pony up right. the, the, the right amount of money or not it remains to be seen. But can you imagine a situation where not only do you have to deal with the Packers, who have a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers coming back, who, and like who, three running backs who showed last year when one went down, another guy stepped well, up exactly. and ran well. And who also say they're going to be a major player in free agency. Now it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball, but they're going to be a major player right. you're competing with in free agency. And if you're, if I'm a free agent, a Bears or Packers, I'm going to the Packers because they sure. have a better situation right now. You have to compete with the Super Bowl contending Vikings who may add the best free agent quarterback. He's obviously not the best quarterback in the league. He's Kirk Cousins. Right. But he's still a very good quarterback in the league. And also you have to compete with a team that regularly wins eight and nine games every year uh-huh. in the Lions. And you still don't have anybody who, when I step on the field, if I'm an opposing team, I go, I'm afraid of that guy. Right. And how, I'm, how am I going to scheme against that guy? And the Bears have none of those players. So Jarvis Landry is... Someone who I feel like defensive coordinators have to keep an eye on where he lines up on every play. In addition, he's a good two. Right. So if you can add him and then you draft the next Odell Beckham Jr., you draft the next Amari Cooper, that type of thing, I can see it working out because that's the only way. You look at the free agent wide receivers this year and next year. Like, I know Odell Beckham's a free agent next year, but he's not leaving. Right. You know, they're like, it'd be nice. To sign all these guys, but they're they're not like all the free agents aren't leaving. No, and you brought up a great point. I thought about the free agents because if you're a free agent and you can go to the Bears or the Packers, you're going to pick the Packers because of what they have and where they're going. I don't know that the Bear, the Bears are ready to um, entice free agents with the new head coach and new offense and things like that. I know it comes down to money, but there are times where guys select the best opportunity instead of the money. What happened For, with the Bears last year? Right. With, um, why can't I think of his name? The defensive player. Oh, man. Hakeem Hicks? No. Oh, no, you mean no, the, no, no, someone no. that went somewhere else? Someone that went to the Bears, yeah. Well, here, I got all of them from last year. Um, they had Deion Sims. They had uh, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Benny Cunningham, Kendall Wright. No, it was someone that didn't go. Oh, to that the didn't Bears, go to the Bears. That didn't go to the Bears. That chose the Bears had offered him the most money, and he chose to go, go to a different else. team because the situation was better. And he was like, "Money, it was a couple million dollars. It didn't really matter to me. Right. I wanted to go to a better situation." And that's what I think is going to happen. To, I mean, that's what will happen this year. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe next year when they go out looking for free agents, if they have a decent year, and if you can, if the free agents and their agents can see that they're on the rise, then maybe they'll be able to get the big name guys. But I agree with you. I don't think the big name free agents are going to come here so now it's going to be a real test for ryan pace to try and get the guys that maybe are not the top level free agent but the next guy and you should be able to get more of them because you can pay more of them you know well, you have more money absolutely they're, they're not in a situation where they add like julius peppers and right. they're instantly a i mean yes if you add someone like that you're instantly better but that's not going to put you over the edge at this point where the bears are Hopefully they can draft and sign guys and develop guys this year. But it would be nice to see, you know, like I I played a cut earlier from uh, Dan Durkin who talked about what he said where out of the 20 guys that uh, he – or no, no one – that any of the free agents that Ryan Pace has signed his first year are no longer on the team. Right. That's ridiculous. I know. I know. And I've I've got it here, I think. Um, Yeah, these were his free agent signings. Eight of the twenty draft picks are only legitimate starters. That's come, you're rebuilding a team. It's your third. This is your fourth year now. Actually, like, I think one guy, Sam Acho, is still here from 2015. 
Okay. Uh, Pernell McPhee's gone. Jarvis Jenkins, Will Montgomery. I think you have to pay. I think Acho's a free agent, though. Yeah, he is. I okay, think, no. so he may not right, be here. Right. Jack Wes Rogers, Antoine Roll, Eddie Royal, Alan Ball, Ray McDonald. That was a biggie. Uh, Mason Foster, who's playing very, very well where he's gone, and uh, Jimmy Clausen. So, yeah. Well, and you also have to think about it, the, the fact that the Bears also don't have any, of those, any of those free agents really? that they signed or draft picks that they've signed that have come up for free agency now are guys that you're like, oh, well, they performed well. Now we have to pay them because they're the guy that, you know, really performed and we don't want them to leave. We don't want another team signing them. So we have to put up the most money for them. The Bears aren't in that situation either. I got and two people that one guy says A.J. Bouye. AJ Bouye. Okay. That's who it was. Another guy yes. said Stefan Gilmore. I don't. Yes. I didn't think. No, it was AJ sure Bouye. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Robert Humphrey. Thanks a lot, Derek. We appreciate well it. Too. Yeah. It so, was AJ Bouye. We come back. We will talk more Bears football. More football from the combine. Arthur Arkish was there for Pro Football Weekly. We will talk with him. Get his opinion on some of these possibility of moves. We will talk to you throughout the course of the day. You want to jump in? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, is Chicago's game day on ESPN one thousand. ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner along with Adam Abdallah here till 12 noon. We've got more football talk coming up. Jesse Rogers will join us at 10 with the latest uh, Cubs lineup. Uh, a lot of guys getting Sunday off. Um, Bryant, Lestella, Rizzo, Zobris, they get the day off. So that's good. I don't know what they do. Just hang around, throw the ball. Sit in the clubhouse. But I did see, uh, Adam, that um, 7.30 meditation is available in the theater. Okay, so, so want... like an hour. Uh, no, I mean, that would be that would have already happened. That would have happened, yeah. yeah. But when Jesse posted this, this probably comes out first thing. Yeah. These guys are early risers oh, during you, the uh You miss meditation. Training. Yeah, you hate that. That's not going to be good. Uh, we are going to talk more about the combine and the bears and all things uh, football right now. We bring in one of our guys, Arthur Arkes from Pro Football Weekly. Arthur, how are you today? Oh, again, you told me I got to bring him up. Now, Arthur, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing real well. Let's let's start off by I've seen on my uh, uh, emails and other things that the Pro Football Weekly Draft Guide is available, correct? That's right. It uh, Yeah, it's, uh, we had it down in Indianapolis. It should be on newsstands, I believe, starting Tuesday, if it isn't already. And uh, you can order copies on the website as well. So very excited about this year's edition, Greg Gabriel. Worked his tail off with the reports, and we got a lot of other fun stuff in here from features to uh, our first mock draft and, um, and all kinds of great stuff, team needs, uh, the, the usual good. So we're feeling really good about it and excited to get it in everyone's hands. I want to ask you real quickly one of the things I asked Adam uh, in the first segment um, is for the Bears looking ahead, and this isn't a combine thing, but looking ahead at the wide receiver, is it a question of Albert Wilson or Jarvis Landry, or could the Bears be happy with both of those guys? Um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be, if the Bears were to go, not that Albert Wilson is going to cost a ton, but I would almost kind of uh, liken that to the way they lavishly attacked the quarterback position or the tight end position last offseason, just because uh, it's going to cost a lot, guys, to get Jarvis Landry. I'm sure I'll get your guys' feelings on it here. I'm uh, not a fan of that move. I just, I can't really rationalize paying a slot receiver that much money uh, upwards of $16 million just for the franchise tag here in 2018 if you don't work out a long-term deal. Just looking at some values here, the number eight overall pick last year, Christian McCaffrey, 
His entire rookie contract is seventeen grand, so that's going to be a little bit higher this year with the rising CBA. Um, and I don't really think there's going to be a wide receiver per se that, that's worth the number eight overall pick. But that's just to kind of give you an idea of just exactly what Jarvis Landry is set to get paid just on one year, uh, much less whatever type of contract the team that trades for him is certainly going to have to have in mind. So would you rather see them go after someone like a Sammy Watkins or just address the position in the in the draft? Because it seems like. They, I mean, they need bodies at wide receiver. We don't know what Kevin White's going to be. So I'm just curious as to what you think they should do to find a number one wide receiver. Yeah, uh, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to get out of L.A., but that's, uh, that, that's to be determined. they got a couple other needs there, too, uh, in terms of re-signings. LaMarcus Joyner immediately comes to mind. I like Albert Wilson as the, the sort of budget route uh, to solve your slot position. Now, you're talking about number one, obviously, and that's not going to be Albert Wilson, but... Frankly, that's not Jarvis Landry either. I know he catches a ton of footballs, but he doesn't do the things that you look for from a number one dictate coverage and use the entire field. So um, a lot of mid-round guys in this draft, I think that's the strength at the wide receiver position isn't up top, uh, but once you get into to day two. So there's a lot of guys I like there in that regard, whether you're talking about uh, someone like a Traquan Smith, possibly from Central Florida, uh, you know, maybe James Washington's falling into the early part of the second round. Um, there's a lot of guys who tested really well. DJ Moore out of Maryland had a great day. DJ Shark from LSU had a great day at the Combine on Saturday, but it kind of is to be determined what it's going to mean for their value. Um, but, yes, I like the idea of passing on Jarvis Landry and then attacking both in free agency and the draft to see, as you said, if you can kind of get a power-by-numbers approach to bring in a bunch of bodies there. There had been a rumor out there yesterday. Uh, Moon Mullen talked about it, and a lot of other people have brought it up, and it's uh – Jordan Howard in the number eight to the Dolphins for Jarvis Landry, the number 11 and a third round pick. Not only your thoughts on that, but would, could you see the Bears moving their number one running back right now with the, I don't know, a lot of running backs available in the draft and grab later on and, uh, the style of play that Matt Nagy is going to be bringing to this offense? I don't think so. No, I think it would be a huge mistake. Jordan Howard is one of the better values, even at the running back position. If you look at what he's done in his first two seasons, I think you could very easily say he's one of the better values in the NFL right now, and you've got him dirt cheap for the next two years. We already talked about what it's going to take to get Jarvis Landry in here, so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, even with the fact that this is a really good, uh, a really, really good running back draft, and you could definitely find his potential replacement uh, you know, well into day two, maybe even day three, but um, I just I'm not really a fan of pushing out the producers you have. I've got some concerns about letting uh, both Willie Young and Pernell McPhee leave. McPhee, not very surprising, but I, I worry a little bit about Young. Uh, you know, Josh Sitton, I get the whole age thing, but he was one of the steadier performers on your offensive line. I don't like the idea of creating additional needs, uh, even though you feel like maybe you're solving another one. So, yeah, it's not a move I can understand. And I think that the concerns about Jordan Howard's fit or, or if there's whispers that it may not be great, uh, in Matt Nagy's offense. I'm not really buying it because I think he's a good inside and outside zone runner. Uh, maybe he won't ever become the receiver they're looking for, but great. That's why you have Tariq Cohn, and that's why we're all so excited uh, to see sort of the increasing creativity that, uh, uh, that's used with him and what, it resu- and what it results in. What route do you think the Bears should go with their eighth pick? Um, well, I think they should take the best available player. I don't mean to cop out on you, but <laughs> it, 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 it's still early, guys. The combine is it's, it's a valuable tool for teams, but it's really just a tool to get medicals and to do gathering of data and interviews and stuff like that. Uh, it's still too early for us to have an idea how some of these top prospects are doing in private interviews. We hope to have 
that type of insight at Pro Football Weekly in the coming days and weeks. We're just not quite there yet. So um, if Quentin Nelson is on the board at eight, I love the idea. I don't think that that's too rich for a guard, certainly not a guy that looks like a perennial all-pro. Um, I think he's the guy that helps kind of reshape your offensive identity and your run game. So that would make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know about the edge rushers. I think that's going to be a tough spot. I think edge rush is the Bears' greatest need, 1A and 1B, alongside wide receiver. Uh, but it just doesn't look like things are going to align there unless they're talking about a potential trade down. Um, you know, I could see a scenario maybe where Marcus Davenport is someone that really piques the interest of Ryan Pace just because he loves these athletic freaks and, um, and these physical marvels. And that's certainly what Marcus Davenport is. And he hasn't shied away from small school guys. Uh, but when you talk about Harold Landry and Arden Key and some of the others, I just don't think the value is going to be there. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is another guy to keep an eye on for sure because he just blew it out uh, at his check at his uh, weigh-in yesterday. He is a really rare uh, physical specimen with long arms and, and really good speed. So uh, I could see him as a potential fit too, but there's a bit of a projection there because he wasn't asked to come off the edge very often at Virginia Tech. Arthur Ark is joining us right now from Pro Football Weekly on the uh, studio Hot Rods hotline. And, uh, you know, you, you said a lot there, and I'm trying to decipher everything. Um, you mentioned that for you, Quentin Nelson is not a bad pick at eight. You'd love to grab him. I think, I think that too, but there are so many people that know a hell of a lot more about football than I do. Um, saying, well, you can't, you know, if you got to pick in the top 10, you got to, got to draft a, uh, you know, a difference maker, a guy that's going to do something with a ball, a skilled position player. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Cause I'm sure when you've told people that you like Quentin Nelson today, you've heard the, re- the, uh, the, the same complaints. Yeah, I guess. I mean, not not fully, though, because, A, again, you look at the strength of this draft, and, and if you're talking about a playmaker, well, the Bears don't need a running back, obviously, and uh, and Saquon Barkley is going to be long gone, so I don't know if you're talking about the next wave of guys, and I think that's too rich, but I just don't see the value. If you're talking about trading down into the bottom half of round one, then maybe you're in a better shape to talk about someone potentially like a, a Cortland Sutton, or I really do think this DJ Moore from Maryland, his stock is about to really... Uh, go through the roof, so he might even be in play in the end of round one, too, but uh, I, I just don't see the playmakers, and I don't see the edge rushers. I don't see the premium uh, position value there. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to be there in the way of defensive backs, either. Micah Fitzpatrick, um, I just don't know. He, he measured a little short. The arms are not what you want to see. Uh, he's a great football player, but I don't know how the Bears would view him, and I don't know what the need will be if they bring back Kyle Long and or uh, uh, Kyle Fuller and or Prince of Makamura. So I don't know, maybe I'm old school, but I like the idea of building in the trenches and, uh, and especially maximizing value. And I guess that's why I feel, you know, pretty good about Quentin Nelson. But guys, I'll tell you what, there's a good chance he's not even going to be there because the Bucks need offensive line help. I can see the Jets going that direction, the Broncos. There's a number of scenarios where he's not even on the board when it's the Bears' turn to pick. You mentioned that the combine is just one of the tools the teams will use to evaluate players. Who has impressed you the most the last few days, and who's probably given their stock the biggest rise in the last few days? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I don't know how much it'll sort of matter for Bears, obviously, because they're not in the quarterback market, but there has been a lot of buzz about Josh Allen. He's a polarizing guy, but I heard he really spun it well yesterday. And again, I don't know what you make of the throwing drills against air and throwing the guys who you wouldn't normally be throwing to or have any experience with that. Uh, but I know he's been one of the buzzier names. I've kind of went on and on about DJ Moore. He's one of the most athletic receivers uh, at the combine, according to the drills. And I didn't really see that on film. I just saw a really good football player in the Maryland offense who really was the Maryland offense. But uh, the fact that he's now got the athleticism to back it up is, is really exciting, I would say. 
Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, we'll see how he tests, but just to, to have that package of the 34-inch arms, and he's like 6'5", and I know he's going to really fly out there, uh, is very exciting to help his cause. Um, Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, well, at the time I was there, guys, I came home on Friday, but by the time I was leaving, those were the two buzziest players at the entire combine. Saquon Barkley is just a, a freak, the kind of guy that's actually meriting, I think, the number one overall pick talk, even at the running back position in the year 2018. I went into the week thinking that sounded absurd, and after getting a chance to talk with him a little bit, after getting the way to, the way to see he tested everywhere, um, it, it actually makes a little bit of sense. I'm somewhat warming to the idea of it. Matt Nagy was on with uh, Golick and Wingo the other day. We played some of it earlier uh, on, and he basically, they asked him about, you know, how he looks at players. Does he look at film or is he, you know, does the combine mean a lot to him? And he basically said, you know, something you alluded to. Uh, you know, the combine is a great time to get measurements and things like that and have a chance to talk to the guys. But what they do on the field is how he judges things. That's For, for me, that's good for my coach to say that. Do you think he really means that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the old the old adage, part of the cliche, the tape don't lie. You'd like to think that most evaluators uh, are going to kind of harken back to that no matter what. Now, we have seen Ryan Pace get pretty enamored with the stopwatch before, and uh, uh, there were some concerns about maybe Leonard Floyd's, uh, you know, lack of complete tape, if you will, uh, coming out of Georgia. Obviously, there were concerns with that, and Kevin White, just the one-year producer, uh, at West Virginia, a JUCO transfer. So I think we're still kind of learning his tendencies, but uh, I definitely believe that you always go back to the tape, and I'm not one of these guys who's going to ignore analytics and whatnot. I, I love the uh, the increasing sort of presence and usage of analytics in the game. I think anyone who is trying not to incorporate that into their studies is, is really just being stubborn and, and kind of limiting the way that they're able to, to use it to their advantage. So um, but yes, it, it's all about the tape and, and, and specifically for, uh, someone like Matt Nagy, we know he's going to want to bring speed and, and dynamism on offense in. I mean, we've talked about the need to get wide receivers and just to get more playmakers, uh, and as exciting as they might pass, you, you want to see sort of how the instincts and how the production carries over, uh, onto the field. So relative to him specifically, I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's definitely encouraging to hear. How would you rate Ryan Pace's first three years as a general manager? Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty incomplete. I mean, it, the fact that he waited until year three to get his quarterback, you know, clearly, and I'm, and I'm not saying this was by design, but it kind of bought him more time. You know, uh, uh, I think there's some advantage to going in when you're doing a rebuild and, and trying to target your quarterback a little bit sooner. Um, but I can see what Pace did too, where he was trying to build things up, you know, to sort of make the environment ready, uh, for a quarterback to step in and succeed. Well, unfortunately, we know that hasn't quite panned out, and I'm not going to hang the injuries on Ryan Pace. Kevin White's, uh, uh, you know, I, I just I don't I don't believe that there's any way Ryan Pace should have known that it was just an unfortunate kind of chain of events, and the list goes on with some of the other injuries that have occurred. Uh, but but I guess the easy way to put it is I think in the draft he's shown a really sharp eye, especially in the later rounds, the mid to later rounds where he's gotten some of his best values like Jordan Howard and Cody Whitehair and Adrian Amos and guys like that. Eddie Goldman, um, the first round is, you know, it's been problematic for him. This, that's what makes uh, this pick so huge for him is he needs to kind of get over the hump and get this new coaching staff in there. Um, but if we're doing things in order of, of how we're going to watch it unfold this offseason, the real concern is free agency. And now you've got Pace with just a boatload of money after all these cuts that he's made. Some of them I agree with and some of them I don't. 
And uh, it's going to be fascinating because I don't think he's going to use that same approach where he's just trying to uh, shop at the bargain bin and get as many fresh bodies in as he can. He's gotten to the point now where he's going to probably make a few big ticket purchases, um, and and he's got to he's got to do better. He's got to get you know better instant impact from his free agency guys, and more importantly, guys that he's not going to be looking to cut a year from now. So uh, that's where my bigger concerns lie with him. I think in the draft, he's he's shown a lot more good than bad. If you want to be an expert when the draft rolls around Thursday, April 26th, go on out, get the Pro Football Draft Guide. It is available now. You can, I'm looking here, right here. It's available on Amazon. You can go to Amazon Prime, have it in two days. Not a problem. Uh, Outstanding. I think we were outselling Tom Brady in the first week it was out there on Amazon. So we were pretty <laughs> excited about that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I would just tell people to, uh, uh, check out the website too and definitely sign up for our free draft newsletter. We have, uh, a lot of unique stuff in there five days a week that you can't get initially anywhere but in the newsletter. We're really excited about how that's went early on. Arthur, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Enjoy your Sunday. Thanks for having me. Arthur Arkes from Pro Football Weekly. They always do a great job. That's one uh, guide I actually like to carry around with me because unlike you, Adam, I don't spend all my Saturdays during uh, college football season watching college football. So I have to try to read up on it. Uh, you've already seen all these guys play. I mean, some people choose to have a life on Saturdays. <laughs> and then know. it's you. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Well, you and a lot of other guys, a yeah, lot of other yeah. people. They love college football, and yeah, I understand why. But, exactly. uh, yeah, there are other things uh, that I end up doing on Saturdays. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Sundays, I, you can't find me. You can't pry me away from a TV. It's all for the draft. It's all for the draft. Yeah, that's what you say, right? <laughs> all for the draft and hopefully to uh, enlarge your pocketbook. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you. We'll talk a little more football. We come back. Jesse Rogers with Cubs Talk. At the top of the hour, Chris Black will join us from Detroit. He's there for the UIC game. They play later on today. And we're going to talk some Oscars before we're out of here at 12 noon. It's Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you. Jesse will join us top of the hour talking some uh, baseball from Cubs camp. Let's grab a call real quickly before we go on. Let's uh, go on out to uh, Iowa. And Darren, Darren, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, this is what I would do if I was Ryan Pace, and you tell me if I'm crazy or not, but I would go out and sign Allen Robinson and Allen Robinson from Jacksonville. Now, they did not franchise Allen Robinson as of yet, and they got until 3 o'clock on Tuesday to do so. Now, how would you go with that? scenario thank you thanks we appreciate the call i think a lot of people say you know coming off an injury right and he's a guy that yeah uh, absolutely the problem is that like i know that arthur arkish said that he doesn't think that sammy watkins is going to get out of la but if you've got let's say you've got sammy watkins you've got alan robinson available jarvis landry's available for trade those are your top three wide receivers yeah so you have to i don't think the bears can get all of them maybe they can get one of them but you're going to, if those are the three wide receivers, they know that they're the only three wide receivers available and they're going to demand a lot of money. And the one thing teams know is that the Bears have a lot of money. The Browns have a ton of money. The 49ers have a ton of money. So you're going to be in a bidding war for these guys. And it's just going to be a matter of when Ryan Pace says, I'm not willing to pay that much for these guys. Or does he right. just say, look, I need a guy. I don't care. Pay him. After taking a chance on a guy that's been injured, like Marcus Wheaton, and he comes here and gets injured, do you think they might it might be in his head to hesitate against a guy like uh, Allen Robinson, or do you think hopefully he, he just you know forgets that and goes individual player? 
I think he'll just look at individual player and see. Um, I mean, I would prefer Sammy Watkins, but he might, like I said, he might not get out, as Arthur right. Arkish said. But right. I, there's how many teams would this be for Sammy Watkins at that point? Three, uh, four, five. I mean, I mean he's, he's been with a few. The problem is you have the most amount of money. If you're the Bears, at the worst time to have the most amount of money. sure, of course, like it's and you don't have the most. The Browns have the most, and then I then the Forty ers and I believe the the Bears are yeah. third. But yeah, you're right, they're third. They have eighty million dollars. But still, cap you have a ton of money yeah. at like the worst time to have a ton of money because there's just not the talent doesn't match the money that you. This is Chicago's game day, deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Happy Sunday morning. It's uh, from our situation here in the State Street Studios. It looks gorgeous out. But it's cold. I thought it was supposed to get warmer today. What the nah, hell's going on? Cold front. So, we, so you and I decided not to do the polar plunge, right? No, I'm not yet. <laughs> Jumping into cold water. My people, we don't do that. I'll find other ways to uh, donate money and make yeah. money for, for, for charities. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is a little chilly out here. It's getting very nice uh, in Arizona, just in time for Jesse Rogers to leave. I, I don't quite understand it. <laughs> Jesse joins us here in the studio, Hot Rods Hotline. And before we do anything, we must say happy birthday to the young guy. Hey, Jess. Happy birthday, honey. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. He sounds so unimpressed. No, I like the fact you call me young guy. That was good, Brent. Yeah. Yeah, well, young yeah. guy works for me. Everybody's everybody's young compared to me. So you guys are all youngsters. So <laughs> and, and and right now it's funny because if someone walks into Cubs camp right now, they say, "Which one of you guys is Jesse?" Because y'all look alike. Y'all are bald. <laughs> That's right. A lot of guys got their hair buzzed, uh, taken off completely yesterday. It was. Uh, for Joe Madden's Respect 90, uh, it's an annual thing. Re- uh, Respect Bald is the name of the um, event. And, yeah, they raised, I think, $80,000 just yesterday for pediatric cancer research. They had some kids with cancer, some survivors out here as well. Um, yeah, there's a few, well, I'll just say it, serial-looking players right now, serial killer-looking <laughs> players right now. Schwarber, I would not want to mess with Schwarber in a dark alley right now. That's all I can tell you. He looks like one of those guys that would take you down. So when he's got hair, you're okay. You'll mess with him when he's got hair, but not when he's shaved head. (laughs) Well, now that he's lost the weight, I'd mess with him, but not shaved head. (laughs) You know, real quickly, yesterday, uh, Tyler Chatwood showed what Cub fans are hoping to uh, see. I mean, he pitched real well, and I was looking at his splits from uh, last year. Everybody keeps talking about his his home and road splits and all that stuff, and I was looking at him. And uh, there, was, there was a big difference. He gave up, which was weird, though. He gave up about the same number of homers, which is strange. Uh, home and road. He get the average that he allowed uh, on the on the uh, away from course was only two hundred, which is pretty damn good. Obviously, three hundred two um, at home at Coors Field. But uh, he knows now he won't he won't have to pitch there more than once or twice all season long, right? Yeah, and that and that's the and that's as much a key as anything. What I'm getting as the mental part of it. 
you know, I was just talking to him 10 minutes before I got on the phone with you guys, and we were talking about this a little bit. You know, it's one thing to physically, you know, go on the road and pitch better because of that and then come home, but to not have to think about the differences all the time. You know, what am I going to throw today? I'm at home at Coors Field. What, what aren't I going to throw today? You know, the same thing on the road. You know, so there's the physical things that will be different, not pitching there, but also mentally he can just focus the same for 32 starts. He doesn't have to go back and forth and start doubting his stuff. It, it takes a toll on you, and he, he kind of has admitted that since coming over to the Cubs. So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of, as I put it to him, and he agreed, you know, there's a lot of ceiling there left for him to reach because how far can you go at Coors Field, right? Your ceiling's going to be lower. You can still have success, but you're just not going to have the same kind of success if you're pitching away from it. So he's looking his chops at being able to do the same thing for 32 starts, not just for 16. Jason Hayward is leading off again today for the Cubs. What is what is this? What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a little telling because this is, I believe, the second time that Almora has been in the lineup with him. And Hayward's let off. And, I mean, I, I, I kind of like what Joe said. It's a test drive. Just check it out. But that doesn't mean you're buying the car. And I don't believe that Joe's going to go to this in the regular season. Now, I leave that as a caveat because I, I mentioned this the other day. If, you know, look, Hayward doesn't fit anywhere else, right? I mean, if that's the only place he fits and he actually might take some walks, okay, then maybe. So I, I, I give a small percentage chance they, they do it. But only if there's no other options around and he's no fit. You know, he mentioned Addison Russell hitting in the seven hole, which is where I thought Hayward would hit because, he, but he likes him in a sort of a second RBI, second cleanup spot. So if that's the case, then Hayward's got to either bat first or eighth. And I think I think it should be eighth. I think it might end up being eighth. But he is taking this out for a test drive. I, unless he starts showing some propensity to walk a lot, I don't think. Madden's going to go to it, but nothing wrong with trying things in spring, and this is definitely one uh, uh, you'd call an experiment. Jesse, all all athletes are prideful. All athletes uh, want to do the best they possibly can. This has to be weighing somewhat, even if he doesn't show it, this has to be weighing somewhat on Hayward that you know nobody outside of maybe Joe Madden has given him a, a chance. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. I don't know for sure because he is a, a you know pretty good publicly. He understands that he has to face the questions um, because of the money he's making, and you know that's that's the big thing. If he was just a you know a six million dollar player, three year deal, you know, no, we we wouldn't be having this focus. Right. Joe probably wouldn't be thinking about playing him either. He could be easier to bench. So it, he understands that, though. I mean, I don't think he would trade the money for the for less focus, you know. <laughs> but but he does get that he's he's going to have scrutiny. He, so I guess that's my point. He gets it all. He gets the struggling. He gets that people are focused on him. He gets that people are focused on him because of the money. And it's a home run happy league, and he's not hitting home runs. I mean, he gets all of it. How much it weighs on him, I don't know. I don't know. He's friendly enough in the locker room. I just talked to him today as well. And you know, he goes about his business. Is he different than year one when he was just getting going before all the struggles? Maybe. Maybe he's a little bit more closed off. That would be natural, right? I mean, everyone, everyone and their grandmother literally has – criticize this guy so he might be a little more closed off but not unexpectedly not in a bad way or anything like that so yeah it's tough man but you know every two weeks he you know no one's gonna feel sorry for him right <laughs> yeah when a, when, a, when a nice check do, do, do yeah. they actually just get a stub i would think they'd all have direct deposit <laughs> right yeah you know I, I they i don't know if they all do because i'm recalling a story Derek lee once 
the only time I think I've ever talked legitimately paychecks and money with a player, Derek Lee once he I asked I think I asked him do you get direct deposit or something. This is when like when direct deposit was new, right. like I don't know, felt felt new. And he's like, No man, I get a check and he and he was he wanted to show me the pay stub. I'm like, ah, you don't have to do that. I don't want to do that in the locker room. So I, I back then guys were getting pay stubs and pay and paychecks. Now I would assume it's all direct deposit, but I don't know that for sure. Maybe a guy likes to look at that piece of paper that says, you know, <laughs> one zero 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 zero, whatever it is on it. And um, Hayward's check would be large, that's for sure. I can't see these guys walking into a bank and like filling out a deposit <laughs> slip. And I think they like, should all yeah. get the big checks that you get when you win a game show. Those are kind of <laughs> every checks. week. Every yeah. week they should get one of those stuck in their locker to realize that's how much money they're so, actually and, making. And, and Hayward's would have the biggest. Yeah. Then like Lester's. All the way down to, like, Lestella would have one of the smaller ones. Yeah. Speaking so, of, that would be funny. Speaking of Lester, he is pitching today. He talked about how he wants to reach 200 innings. The way Madden works his bullpen and relies on it a lot, how realistic is it that Lester hits 200 innings? Well, if he hits it, he would hit it and get out of the game. I mean, he, my point is he would they would get him just to 200, and that's it. That's how precarious it is. Um, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. If he is really sort of revitalized and feeling good and, and pitching well, I don't, I, you know, Madden, he's got that label, and it's not wrong, but there's reasons for it. He's trying to win games and, and save pitchers. It's not just willy-nilly, oh, I don't want to pull this guy. And here's my point why I think it could happen. We think this offense is going to be more consistent than last year. Or at least let me put it this way. If the offense is more consistent – Madden will avoid that pinch hitting moment, right? If you're up by four runs in the sixth at 90 pitches, he can stay in the game. If it's one to one in the sixth at 90 pitches, he might come out. I'm talking about, you know, for a pinch hitter. So to me, the offense has something to do with it. John's health has something to do with it. Obviously, the place in the cub in the standings have something to do with it. I think there's a chance. Now, is he going to go through to throw 220? No. They're going to do everything they can to make sure he's ready for October which to me the max is right at 200. So we'll see. But I think the offense has as much to do with it as Joe Madden. Don't put him in that position to be pinch hit for, score some runs for, for your, your starting pitcher. Jesse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you, your first uh, quiz here on your birthday. Um, okay. The five Cubs starters, Lester, Hendricks, Darvish, Quintana, and Chetwood, who are the top, or put them in order, in number of innings pitched last year? Oh, last year? Most, um, right, most to least. Uh, okay, well, Hendricks and Lester spent time on the DL. Um, Darvish was pretty healthy, if I recall. You talk about regular season, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Quintana, Quintana's been a workhorse. So I'd put Quintana up there, Darvish, Chatwood, Hendricks, Lester, Hendricks, something like that. You were right for everything except uh, Chatwood. He only had 25 starts. So he had 100, okay. 147 innings. Quintana hit 188, Darvish 186, Lester 180, and Hendricks 139. Um, Lester had the previous years 205 and 202. So Yeah, I mean, he's had 11 of 12 seasons of 200 innings pitch. So right. it's in him. It's in him, but he is getting older. It would be in another October if they made the playoffs. I mean, you know, you just can't go off of past history. You have to look at what's happening in the, in the here and now. And I think they're going to do their best to limit him, but also give him a shot to to be his best. So uh, that's why I say it's like right at 200 would be the max for him. I got to ask you again about the pitchers that are out there 
that are waiting to be signed, the free agents that haven't signed yet, like Jake Arrieta. It's our, I mean, we're almost, we're to a, a week into March, or yeah, almost a week into March, yeah. where uh, the, the game, the season starts here soon. Like, why, when are these guys going to sign? And what happens, I guess, really, what happens if they don't? <laughs> if they don't, man, that's, that's a strange scenario. Well, if they don't, my guess is they, whoever doesn't sign by, by the time the season opens, waits for a team to, to lose their first pitcher and then jumps at them, you know? Um, and, 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 and think about the fan base and that, let's say it's the Cubs and, um, Quintana goes down, just pick a name, you know, and he's down for six weeks to three months, whatever it is, or the season, arm problems, Tommy John, don't you think all of a sudden a pitcher that holds out has a little more leverage? The fan base would be going nuts for Arietta if Quintana went down. So I think that there's, and that's a, that's a, that's a best case scenario for a pitcher that's going to hold out. There's no great scenarios. That'd be the best case. Somebody goes down and there's a little leverage for him. But yes, the, the feeling around here is in the, uh, they, they need to sign in the next few days to be ready for the regular season. So I do think a few will sign in the, let's just say a, by a week uh, from today. You know, that, I think a week from today is the max. I don't even think they can be necessarily at their best for the regular season if they sign in the coming days. But you could put them fifth in the rotation. That buys you another week into the regular season. You know, maybe skip them the first start and take them the second turn. Um, you know, usually there's off days. Maybe you could only use four pitchers. So the point is it's got to happen pretty soon. Definitely if we're a week from today talking again and, and these guys haven't signed, I don't think they can be ready for the first, first go through the rotation for the respective team. But the question is, does somebody or more than one person hold out once the season starts, I just don't know that answer. Uh, but but D Day is approaching. There's no doubt they've got to make a move soon. Jesse, did your guy Tommy Lastella think your birthday was yesterday? And with the two doubles, I mean, did, was he trying to celebrate or something early? You're funny. He's just a good hitter. He's a good hitter. <laughs> birthdays or no birthdays, the guy can hit um, to all fields, and it's amazing. I I actually asked this in the press box because again, we don't. You know, it's so easy to to sort of be critical of Jason Hayward. Right now, game on the line or not, first inning or ninth inning, who do you want to play, Jason Hayward or little Tommy LaStella? I think we know the answer, yeah, right? Yeah, we do. It's, it's so sad. I mean, Hayward's such a big, strong guy. has uh, much more on his resume over the years, but I don't think there's any doubt a Cub fan would probably say LaStella. It's probably say, it says more about Hayward than anything, but we know that LaStella can handle the bat and, and get a double or get a walk or whatever the case may be. So um, it's amazing, you know, the, the – sort of thinking of it that way uh but it's the truth one guy's making 184 million total and this guy's making 950,000 <laughs> you know just one other thing about pitchers back to pitchers for a second yeah. um we did a segment the other day what's up fred's can we like to do it every once in a while and yeah. it, it, the what was up my can was one of the last things in an article that was here in one of the papers i want to say it was a tribune and it talked about how brandon morrow had not has not pitched in any of the preseason or exhibition games yet you know mm-hmm. he he pitched in uh, in all those games in the world series jesse it was three damn months ago um get his <laughs> get his tail out of the mound what is it it really is him throwing now going to be any different than if he throws in two weeks i mean I, I'm, that excuse sounds awful well you know they're they're letting him rest because he pitched so much in the world series well, but who really cares if it's a reliever who's going to get a few appearances between now and April anyway? But he's, gonna, he's your guy, though. He's going to be your guy. He's yeah. going to be your closer yeah. starting the season, right? Right, but they, they, it doesn't matter as long as he gets a few appearances, and it doesn't really matter when. Does it have to be in February? 
I mean, it, uh, you know, I don't know. They're just obviously saving the arm. But anyway, he's going to play Tuesday. So there you go. Fred he's going to pitch Tuesday. Okay. He's going to pitch Tuesday. Tuesday's a big day. Darvish gets his, you know, reboot <laughs> if his stomach is feeling good. So he makes his debut. Zobrist will be in the lineup for the first time this spring. He's had a back issue. And finally, Brandon Morrow will be the second-to-last pitcher to make it into a game. Pedro Strobes had a calf injury, so he hasn't pitched yet either. But, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. If this was March 20th and he wasn't pitching, I'd right. be concerned about his arm. But um, And I know you're kidding around. But, uh, you know, it'll be March 7th that he or 6th that he pitches for the first time. That's plenty of time. You think about a reliever, he can pitch every third day. I mean, you know, get four or five appearances over 15, 20 days and, you know, he's, he should be ready. But I, I, I know, I know what you mean. You know, get him out there. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which member of the Cubs is hosting the Oscar party tonight? Good question. I'm not sure. Um, you know, anybody is. I, I, I can't think of a, of a, of a movie buff that stands out. You know, a guy that I always talk movies with or something. Can't think of one. So I'm not sure. You know, there's, I, I wonder if most of them know that the Oscars are, are happening because they're in such a routine here. You, you sort of forget the days of the week. And, um, you know, I honestly, uh, I kind of forgot it was my birthday until like yesterday. I dead serious. I was, I forgot, I forgot that the fourth was on a Sunday. So on today, so I, you know, I don't think these players probably know that they Oscar now. There might be a movie buffer too that I don't know about, but yeah, I don't know about any uh, Oscar parties. I know there's a media Oscar party. That I wasn't invited to, so I feel kind of down. Real about nice. Oh, on Real your nice. birthday? Name names. Name yeah, names. It's a, no, but it's like a Cactus League one from somebody that I don't know. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Somebody All right. From the Oakland A's or something. Okay. So I don't, I don't really care that much about the Oscars anyway. So. Did you know yesterday was the second largest crowd in Cactus League history at the Cub game? I did not know that until they announced it. I'm not surprised. It was jam-packed, and it was by far the biggest crowd so far and i only say that because it's been it's been um weird ten thousand eleven thousand uh up until yesterday and i blame the weather i i, I honestly blame sure. the weather for it i can't figure out anything else there's still plenty of cub fans here but yeah they maybe they they made up for for that by packing everybody in yesterday you know everybody wanted to go to the weekend games right so they they you know because because it switches every year what the maximum they can allow in i think it's because of the lawn they can sort of fudge it a little bit and let more in one day and whatever. So I'm not surprised because it was jam-packed. I, I, I tweeted that out earlier. I'm like, this is easily the biggest crowd I've seen all spring. Yeah, and one last thing, Jess, before we let you go. Do, do all these guys playing on Tuesday, Morrow and uh, Zobrist and all Darvish. that, does that mean you have to stay for an extra day or are you, gonna, are you leaving as soon as they're done? No, Joe, Joe, yeah, Joe did me a favor. My flight's at six, so I'll be able to see everything that happens. You know, Darvish will pitch one inning, maybe right. two. Zobrist will get one or two at bats. Um, and uh, Morrow won't, I won't have to wait till the ninth inning. Morrow will pitch like the fourth inning or something. Madden specifically said, and that's one thing when you start this late, you want to face the starters. Right. And those guys are still only in the first few innings. So Madden made a point of saying that Morrow isn't going to wait till the ninth inning to face single A guys. He's going to face. You know, hopefully good hitters. Uh, they play the Dodgers, his former team. So Darvish and Morrow get to play their former team right away on Tuesday. That's pretty cool. But I would expect Dar- uh, uh, Morrow to be not the second pitcher in, certainly, but maybe the third or fourth. You know, he's pitching by the fifth or, worst case, sixth inning on Tuesday. Then I can leave. As soon as, as, soon as Morrow <laughs> throws his final pitch, I am leaving and that's the end, and heading home for a week. Sounds good. Hey, Jess, no matter what anybody says, you're doing a great job. Yeah, they all say it, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take it easy, Jess. Take Happy care. Birthday, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>
Jesse Rogers celebrating his birthday down in Arizona with the uh, Chicago Cubs. As uh, yeah, I just want to see Brandon Morrow get in the hill. Uh, you know, don't go telling me. Well, you know, he pitched so much in the World Series. We we don't want to get him out there so early. I mean, you've been well, in, you've been in camp for how long? You've been playing games for a couple weeks now. Listen, Fred. I know there's a lot of things up in the can, okay? <laughs> but you have to, you and John Lester need to understand that there are only so many miles you can put on an arm. And if you don't need to waste him pitching an inning or two in February, like Jesse said, or the first couple of days of March, then you don't need to. He's going to come out. It's not like he forgot how to pitch. So what what difference we'll does see. it make? Maybe he did. The Cubs are making the, are going to the World Series anyway. Yeah, I, so I what think difference does it make? Well, and you know that leads to this poll. I wanted to run, run these earlier, and I forgot to mention them. So we'll try to do them now. We'll have Eric have to have to put them up. Put it on the poll. Yeah, we'll put it on the poll. And, you know, it's 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 I'm, I'm a cross between Murph and Sylvie here because of the poll usage. Um, <laughs> well, okay, Sylvie's been on vacation, so yeah, never mind. I, he's been doing them. Never from, mind. He's been doing them. He's been doing them from the road. Yeah. Um, here, two th- two questions. First poll question, which team will make the playoffs first? The Cubs, the Bears, the Bulls, or the Blackhawks? I didn't include the Cubs because they're expected. You said the Cubs, though. I said Sox, didn't I? Yeah, you said Cubs. Oh, Sox, Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks. Not okay. Cubs, yeah. Sox, Bears, Bulls, or Blackhawks? Which team will make the playoffs first? We can only use four. Cause, uh, yeah. You know. yeah. And um, the other one is... How long before the Sox, Bears, Bulls, or Blackhawks win a championship? Within two years, within four years, within six years, or not in the next ten years? Ooh. Well, we, well, we hit a slump. Um, White Sox, Bears, Bulls, wow. and Blackhawks. That does, a slump that doesn't include the Cubs. Yeah. A non-Cub slump. Yeah. Well, the Sox won in 05. The Bears, we all know. Yeah. Uh, Bulls, it's been a while. Blackhawks. Well, it's it was three and six years, but it seems like so long ago. My answer to the first one is that the Bulls will be the first team to make the playoffs because it's very easy to make the playoffs in the NBA, right? And they almost, and the NHL too, and the NHL. Yeah. But I think that I mean I I'm not a hockey person, so uh-huh. uh, I will go with what I know, and I will go with the Bulls because they keep. Uh, preaching this cap flexibility and that they'll be able to add a piece in the offseason and that they're going to have a, you know, ideally top five pick if the lottery balls fall right. And they're, they do have two first round picks. Well, yeah. And I just checked. And now that Dan, even without playing another game, uh, New Orleans got better. Yeah. Uh, New I mean, Orleans improved from two like first round picks. Yeah. That's fine. Their, their pick went from 21 to 23. New Orleans yes. didn't even play a game. Well, and the, the a point is that teams. they've got two first round picks. They've got a very, uh, what hopefully is a very high first round pick. Yeah. Uh, at least one. And then, you know, they, they can add a piece and then they should be able to, with the likes of Markin and Zach Levine having another year under their belt and all that kind of stuff, they should be able to make the playoffs next year as at, at least an eighth seed, obviously. But I got to tell you, um, two weeks ago, maybe not even that long ago, New Orleans was 15th, mm-hmm. meaning they were just out of the lottery. Since then, they've won seven games. The mm-hmm. other yesterday morning, I want to say New Orleans, the Bulls would have had New Orleans pick, which is 21 overall. Now it's 23. Yeah. New Orleans didn't even play, and they still and they and they moved up. Them lost. God, that's just brutal. That's standings. Yeah, I know that's standings that's how it for works. you. Yeah, and Phoenix is still Phoenix is a situation where they could have three lottery picks. Yeah. Yeah. 
That'd be nice just to them, add to their it? nice their nice talent that they have. Yeah. But I think my my answer to your first poll is uh, Bulls, and then I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go six or more years probably for the second one. How long before any of those teams win a championship? Six or I mean, I think the White Sox can compete the the or the Blackhawks maybe the quickest because um, I don't know how the how. The, the the NHL is stacked up, but the deck is stacked against the Bulls with the Warriors, the Cavs, the Celtics, the Raptors, yeah. all of that, the Rockets, all of that. The deck is stacked against the Bulls, even if they add a few stars. Uh, the Blackhawks, I don't know. They, they could be back in and then make another run. But I think the White Sox are saying, if, if you take the Cubs out of it, I think the White Sox are setting themselves up to where in four years they could possibly they could possibly be in the comp in the conversation yeah i had him abdallah fred hubner you can check out that those polls at espn 1000 as soon as we get them up there also we come back i'll take a quick look at my baseball notebook i, I got to a few eat things an, i get to eat a bagel now yes you do uh we come back adam abdallah fred hubner also before we're out of here in this uh this hour we're going to talk about more about some of the uh, silly questions asked to players at the combine and uh we will do that you guys asked a couple we got a couple other ones that are doing so we'll do that when we come back right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Ah, we try to do this every Sunday morning. My Baseball Notebook. I'm catching some games here and there. I was actually listening to the Cubs game a little bit yesterday. I was... uh, Flipping around and uh, catching a couple other things. And one one thing I did catch, I guess the Houston Astros don't have much to worry about with Justin Verlander. He's not necessarily saying, well, I'll just wait till the regular season. He had um, three scoreless innings yesterday against the Washington Nationals. Didn't he? Uh, did he pitch in the World Series? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think so I'm just, I'm just may, making sure. Yeah, he may have. I just want to know. Yeah. I just want to. So some pitchers can pitch and some pitchers can't yeah. pitch, right? Yeah. Fred? Three okay. scoreless innings. I think Strasburg came in and went two innings after that. So uh, it, it's weird because I talk so much about how basketball you're only going to have four or five teams that have a chance to win the championship, and right now it's starting to look like baseball is almost the same way. Are you going to stop watching baseball because too many teams are tanking? No, because I'll always watch baseball. Oh, okay. I didn't watch the NBA. I always watch the Bulls, but I don't watch I didn't always watch the NBA. And now I still don't. No, again, I had the game on last night, just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, you brought up the point about Arietta and Lance Lynn and Alex Cowball still being free agents, which is absolutely ridiculous. And and I understand you know, they've all had offers, from what I understand. Philadelphia is a team that apparently has some interest in Jake Arietta because he could be there for a while. They think they're getting better. Um, I had heard rumors of three years, $82 million or you know, and if I'm Jake Arietta and nothing else is happening, I say, three years, $82 million, I'll take it. Because in three years, if you pitch well, you're going to get more money. Because mm-hmm. right now, a lot of these owners, aren't. they don't want to give pitchers long-term deals. Now, the Cubs did give Darvish a longer-term deal. Um, but, you know, three years, $82 million would be more than any of these other guys are making the next three years. Well, if you look in the Athletic did a good piece about Arietta uh, and his... Sahadim did it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, his, and his numbers. Uh, and I don't think it was Sahadim. I think it was uh, oh, okay. uh, someone else. It was... 
Yes, yeah, another one of their other baseball writers that did it. But just about Arietta's numbers and how much that they've gone down in his velocity. But not only his velocity, but just the way he's been able to pitch and his effectiveness have just struggled. And yeah. I'm just filling until you find the article because I see it now you have it. Well, I've got, the article, I've got a different article. This is from a guy named Cliff Corcoran. Yeah, that was it. Oh, that's yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it's a great article. Um, it's funny. We pulled it when I worked with Waddle those two days. We never got to it. Uh, we both read it. We, yeah. never, we never brought it up. We said we were going to. Um, his home run rate nearly tripled from 2015 to 2017. Uh Let's see here. His strikeout rate has decreased each of the previous the last two years. Uh, he's led the National League in wild pitches each, each of the last two years while walking batters at roughly a league average over that span. Arietta has also induced fewer ground balls in each of the last two years, which is not good. And his um, his mileage has gone down. I mean, it, you know, it becomes worrisome when you lose two miles per hour in your fastball alone in a year where everybody else got quicker because they changed the way that they were timing the fastballs mm-hmm. yeah they they changed your release point on the clock or on the gun and his still went down which was kind of weird so um yeah he's uh if he's smart he would take the 82 million i didn't figure it out 82 divided by three says so that's more than these other guys are getting yeah okay uh it's like 27 million dollars i mean it, it's it'd be a good thing for him why wait take that if in fact that's true uh, John Heyman um, from MLB.com uh, has also mentioned that um, Washington's involved. And I want to ask you and Eric this question because I'm starting to think. Everyone's talking about the free agents next year. I'm starting to think that Washington might be okay with losing a Bryce Harper and not worrying about paying. I don't know that Bryce Harper is what we're all making him out to be. He had one monster year. He had a really bad year. I know he's young. I know he's twenty. He'll be twenty six next year, but between Manny Machado and him, I'm not sure if I want a right fielder or if I want an infielder. Um, I think that I see. I think it's the opposite. I, I agree with you, but I think it's the opposite. Where I think the Cubs are okay without Bryce Harper. Okay, so it's the same philosophy, right, right. but I feel like the Cubs are because we've all been talking about how it's World Series or bust. What, what, so Bryce Harper is going to put you over the edge all right. of a sudden? Uh, I, so I think that the Cubs are fine for it's essentially the same reasons and the amount of money that he's going to command. Now, if they can get Manny Machado, by all means, do you think? And I wonder what Machado and um, Machado and Bryce Harper are thinking this year mm-hmm. when they see the free agents. Are they thinking, well, everyone's saving their money for us, or are they thinking, you know what, that 300 million we thought we might make? That's not going to happen. No, see, because I think it's different. You got you get a guy that's a, an everyday player, and they the market is is set for that. It, where, but see, they thought JD Martinez was going to make two hundred million. He got one ten for five years. They thought he was going to get five years, two hundred million. Yeah, this is Bryce Harper, man. This is Manny Machado, though. I know, like, and and I I just don't know if you know teams are going to spend that much money on one guy. I mean, Mike Trout makes a lot of money, but he doesn't make that kind of money yet. Yeah. And I don't know. I think teams will for those two players. Okay. I just, uh, let's watch. Uh, three years from now, we'll sit here and talk about it, okay? Because mm-hmm. uh, three years from now, I think we'll say, man, that Bryce Harper just wasn't worth it. We all overestimated what he was worth. But we'll see. We'll see if, in fact, that's the case. There are rumors continuing that the White Sox could be interested in Mike Moustakis or Carlos Gonzalez. 
Cargo. And I, I have to watch it because people confuse him with Carlos Gomez, who actually signed with Tampa. Okay, Carlos Gonzalez, who was with the Rockies, and Mike Moustakis. I don't think the White Sox need either one of them. I don't know what the point it would be. Everyone's trying to convince me that if you sign him for one year and they're doing well, you can move them at the end, you know, at the trade deadline and maybe pick up another. Where are you, what are you going to pick up another shortstop maybe? Because the White Sox may maybe need a, a shortstop in the minor leagues. You give Machado. Huh? Yeah, that's see. I I actually think the White Sox are going to go all out and say they save their money and they're going to try to get him next year. When it came up earlier this year, they were going to sign Manny Machado, but the Orioles wouldn't let Machado talk to anybody before yeah. the trade. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, well that does you can't do that. Yeah, you can't you can't get the guy for one year and then have him walk out on you. You can't do that. I would love if the White Sox got Manny Machado just because it, it would be it would intensify the rivalry a yeah. little bit because sure. you have a team that has Manny Machado, who the Cubs might be interested in, and then you've got already the set rivalry in the city. I think it'd be great, especially for the White Sox, if they can get a player like that, a star like that, because hopefully these kids that they have now turn into stars. Right. But you get a superstar like Manny Machado, that it changes everything. And the other thing is, and White Sox fans, I think, realize this, and for years I sat here and said, listen, Cub fans, calm down. All these guys that Dio picked up aren't going to be good. So he's going to miss on some. Well... Yeah. yeah. How'd that work out for me? I mean, it worked out great for the Cubs, and I'm sure if you asked Theo Epstein if he thought all these draft picks were going to work out, he probably would have said, well, numbers show that probably half of them do. Odds are, yeah. And he didn't. They, that's not what happened with the Cubs, okay? And I know they're still waiting for Schwarber to come back and, and be be the Schwarber they originally thought he was originally thought he was going to be, and they're still waiting for Al Mora, but obviously they hit they hit pretty well on uh, on Chris Bryant. So, you know, White Sox fans have to realize you get a lot of guys, you throw it up against the wall, you see what sticks, and hopefully some guys mm-hmm. work and other guys may or may not. They've had some injuries with their young guys. Uh, a patella tendonitis for Eloy Jimenez. He has not played for a couple of days. This uh, Luis Basabe hit a home run the other day. He was being booed, apparently, by fans of the Royals who were booing him down the line when he was playing outfield yesterday. And then uh, he ends up hitting a home run. I don't know. Um, the one thing the White Sox have done is they've taken chances with some older relievers. This guy, Bruce Rondon, who was pitching for Detroit, he was throwing 100 miles an hour. I think he may have head arm problems. I'm not sure. So if I mistake and make a mistake, you know, give me some, cut me some slack. Struck out the side in the sixth yesterday. They had some guy named Jordan Stevens. Not sure where they got him from. He had a three inning save. Miguel Gonzalez with two scoreless innings the other day for the White Sox. So the one guy, I think my brother was actually in, uh, uh, Arizona and probably got a chance to see Michael Kopech pitch yesterday. He allowed an earned run, uh, three strikeouts, a walk, and two and a third. He hit 99 miles an hour. Now he knows he's going to go to AAA because they told him basically, you know, we want you to come up here when you can control your curveball, your off speed stuff, and then be the pitcher so we don't have to send you back and forth. Um, so he knows, but he's pitching pretty well. So that's exciting for White Sox fans, as opposed to them dropping fly balls. They dropped like four fly balls yesterday. Lost them in the, the high sky with no clouds in Arizona. Well, I mean, th- these games don't count. They no, no, I know mistakes. they don't. I know they don't. And it was, and they're young. And it's not just, you know, it's not their, their really good outfielders that are dropping many fly balls. Uh, Nikki Delmonico, I think, had a couple of hits. So that's always nice to see. So that's just a touch of my, uh, Baseball notebook. There's there's so much more coming as we watch uh, more baseball in the spring. Now we don't we don't need to change the music. Keep the music. We don't need to change it. But could you? We've got two minutes left. Uh-huh. Can can we change this from the MLB notebook to the MLS notebook? 
We could. You want to give me? Can you give me some? Some there were three red card, two in one match yesterday, yeah, Fred. Two in one match. Three red cards. Terrible. Uh, and you know, I love watching the Major League Soccer. I called Fire games. I've done Chicago Fire weekly, but hopefully, I don't see a lot of what I saw yesterday. And I mean, I don't mean bad defense. I just mean people grabbing, clutching, and grabbing and complaining. Now is that it was okay. almost like a club it was almost like club soccer. I mean it was really frustrating for me to watch. So but you and I can talk soccer a little bit obviously more than I can talk the, the depths MLS, of baseball. Right? Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying like isn't something that the Americans prided themselves on is that we don't do the grabbing and, and, the, and, and the, the falling down and, the faking, and all yeah. that. But if it if it gets calls, isn't it working it to their advantage? Wouldn't you rather yeah. see the kind of soccer you see, like with the EPL right now, sure. wouldn't you like to see that in the MLS? Well, and they actually have VAR, the video assisted refereeing thing. Okay, they actually have that. So yesterday, but it took like three minutes for a call that should have been determined. So now they're having the same problem that other sports are having. Okay, you know, baseball and and basketball even is the last couple minutes of the game yesterday. But and then you saw Atlanta. Atlanta's got some stud players, and and they go out and they lose four nothing to a Houston team. And, you know, that was surprising. And then the Chicago Fire goalkeeper who left here and went to Minnesota, he got m- traded up there. He gave up three goals in one game. But And as they hung on, as uh, the team they played, San Jose hung on to get a 3-2 win. And then there's three games today. ESPN's got a game later on this afternoon. And FS1 has two other games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of games to watch. And they said the Fire start next week. And I know that a lot of soccer fans, Yurko's one of them, who love the EPL, will they won't even pay any attention to Major League Soccer. Listen, the EPL's been around for a hundred and some years. The, uh, Major League Soccer, I think this is year twenty three. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take a little while still. It is, and you've got a couple teams that are fun to watch. Watch a Seattle, watch a Seattle home game. Yeah. Watch a Sounders home game. I would love to go to a Sounders home game. The atmosphere, the, a Portland Timbers game. Like, just watch the atmosphere. It is an EPL like. Well, atmosphere. Orlando was yesterday. For Orlando, they shut the lights off for the introductions, which That's was cool. kind of Americanizing it mm-hmm. a little bit. But they also did where the PA announcer says the first name and the crowd all did this, the last name. That's cool. And they've tried that at Toyota Park, and it hasn't worked. It would be great if they can get it done because that's when you get the whole crowd into it. Not just one section or two sections. Not just Section 8 and uh, sec- uh, Sector Latino. Not those, but you get everybody involved in it. And I think that's the, what people that go to uh, soccer matches have to get into, uh, those kind of things. You know, if you don't want to sing, fine, don't sing. No, but those kind fine, of things I if, think are cool. If you want to watch a good MLS game, watch a Seattle game, watch a Portland game. Yeah, Orlando was, was packed yesterday. Was good. Uh, let's see, there was another one that was super Well, Atlanta's going to be home next week. They're all 70,000 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Today you've got the Sounders in uh, L.A. play. You've got Vancouver, Montreal, uh, Sporting KC in New York City play, which is a good atmosphere to New York City. They have a good atmosphere there. And then L.A. Galaxy tonight. Play uh, play Portland, so that'll yeah. be a good Portland game. And, and Portland. I think is redoing their their place because it's a really old, mm-hmm. uh, an old stadium that they play in, and uh, they're redoing it, working it. And Minnesota is getting a mini Allianz Arena. It's going to be sponsored. It's going to be Allianz Arena. Oh, that's cool. just like the one in Munich. And the outside looks exactly like it that'll with the glass nice. and the colors and all that stuff. I pl- I'm hoping to go to. Uh, to Munich in August because they have a uh, the fire have a bye week and they're going to Munich to play Bayern Munich in a testimonial game for Bastian Schweinsteiger. He's going to play cool. one half of the game with the fire, one half with Bayern Munich. See, you would never say 
<laughs> never happened. No, no. <laughs> like but base, you know, there's... In baseball, no. you, could you imagine? Right. Yeah, or in football. There's, but see, there's testimonial <laughs> games. You know that. They do that all the time. Yeah, they yeah, do testimonials yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I went online and like all the other Bayern Munich tickets are sold out. And the Bayern fans probably, are, you know, the ones that want to see Bastian Feinsteiger, that's great. They saw him play when he was there all the time. Yeah, now yeah. it's a testimonial game. I would think Tickets are available. Yeah. So I'll be able to get... Now I just have to figure out a way to get there. You can't get there on the L. Planes. Yeah, you can't get there yeah. on the L from what I checked. We come back. A couple of questions from the Combine. See what uh, Eric and Adam think of that. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you till noon. We'll talk with Chris Black in Detroit as he's getting ready for UIC basketball. Uh, the combine's going on every year. Strange questions being asked in the interview sessions from the teams to the players. And, uh, um, Anthony Adams Spice did a little thing. Uh, you can find it. The uh, Players Tribune retweeted it. Uh, give it a listen. Daryl, come back. Take a seat. So tell me about some of your goals. Well, I would like to be all pro, a pro bowler. You know, stuff like that. So, you don't want to win the Super Bowl? No, 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 I, no. I do, I do want to you win the Super Bowl. You just said you want to be all pro. You didn't say anything about the Super Bowl. Would you rather be a cat or a dog? I love all animals, but I, I mean, I would, if I had to choose, it would be a dog. There's nothing wrong with a cat. Does Lloyd say she's 5'2 or she's fine too? L- Lloyd says she's 5'2. <laughs> Aluminum foil or saran wrap? Um... Well, aluminum. you can't put saran wrap in the oven. <laughs> I mean, but you can't put aluminum foil in the microwave. So. Um, I, I probably would go with aluminum foil. If to choose one. <laughs> I mean, uh, Spice, uh, he spends more time. He does more stuff. You can find him all over the Internet. Here's a couple of questions. Uh, Eric, you can uh, jump in, too, on these. Um, some of the questions I found, uh, there were like four or five different articles. Here's the first one. Do you find your mother attractive? Dude. What? That was one of the questions asked to one of the players. Do you find your mother attractive? I've heard that one before. And you know they're all like veiled answers. So you got to be like, yeah. well, she's a beautiful, strong, independent woman. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I can't say I'm attracted to her. That's so, so weird. weird. They also asked somebody, when did you lose your virginity? Also inappropriate. I right. think so too. Right. That, you know, the one that the one that they asked Spice, would you rather be a cat or a dog? That's you know one. And and earlier today, the guys before us were talking about, would you share your internet history with us if a team asked you that? If you came to work anywhere and they said, would you share your internet history with us? What would you say? I would say yes. Would you? Yeah, you know. How why? about Meller? What would Meller say? He would say no because <laughs> I don't know if Meller's I don't know if Meller's crafty like I am. Where if I go somewhere inappropriate, it promptly gets deleted. Yeah, well, I just th- rock the incognito tab. There's that's a thing called private. Mm-hmm. There's a thing called private. Yeah, that's incognito. For yeah. uh, if you use if you use Google Chrome, it's, oh, okay. uh, it's incognito mode or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like well, you have to say yes. And then what if you? What if a, a, a team asks to see your... What if they say, all right, let us see your browser history on your phone? Like, what do you do then? Yeah. Do you show them? That's good. I, on my phone, I probably would. I would have no problem. I on feel like... 
anything they find on my phone wouldn't be like a shock. It's like, right, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a thirty year old man. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff I have to Google for Waddles World. Is true, probably, true. I, I can, yeah, probably get me in trouble. Probably not good. Yeah. Uh, what kind of fish would you be if you're a fish? What kind of fish would you be? A salmon, because I'm always fighting upstream. Uh, there you really? go. There you go. Really? You're getting high marks for that. Uh, a puffer fish, because I might be small, but when pressured, fierce. Nice. See? Here's, a, here's one that they actually have to think about. If you're standing on the northeast corner of a grass field at 4 p.m., which way is your shadow cast? I saw this. I'm not thinking that hard. I'm really not. <laughs> I know. I'm not either. These guys are just going to be, it, it's not even, you know, it's going to be so confusing. There's, Do you there, remember when Jared Goff was, Goff was going through this? He didn't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Yeah. Like, he was unaware of that. Yeah, that didn't affect him quarterbacking this nope. year, though, did it? Um, Would you have a staring contest with a team? A team asked a uh, a punter to have a staring contest. Yeah, I heard you. That's that would be too weird. Now, I, I, why is that? Yeah, why I don't would they? Know. What in what world does that have any effect on how you are as a punter? Or did they just know that we're not drafting a punter? Right. So let's just let's be just mess with, with them. This. Here, let me let me throw a couple of quick ones out here. If I was a fruit, what fruit would I be? You asked that to uh, Eric earlier. Uh, what's your murder weapon of choice? What? Uh, Why would you even answer yeah, that? I don't know. Uh, how many ways could you use a brick in a minute? Are you afraid of clowns? And the last one, which is a good one, what team do you pick in Madden and why? Ooh. 2004 Mike Vick, Atlanta Falcons, because he's a cheat code. <laughs> See, mm. I never understood it. I didn't get it. I always played video games, and I never wanted a cheat code. Just play them the way they're supposed to be. Everybody said, no, oh, no. You know, I don't. State Street Studio, home of ESPN 1000, Chicago's all-sports station. This is WMVP AM Chicago. Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Four more automatic bids to the NCAA tournament up for grabs today, given to the winners of the four conference championship games. Purdue and Michigan clash in the Big Ten title matchup. It's Radford and Liberty in the Big South. The Missouri Valley final has Loyola Chicago against Illinois State. Lipscomb meets Florida Gulf Coast for the Atlantic Sun Crown. Central Florida linebacker Shaq Griffin today will go through his on-field workout with the rest of the linebackers at the NFL Combine. This a day after putting up 20 reps of 225 pounds in bench press testing. Griffin, who had his left hand amputated at age four because of a congenital condition, is attempting to become the first player with one hand drafted into the NFL in the modern era. And he will accomplish that, believes ESPN's Bill Polian. He's a little short to be a defensive end and, and maybe not stout enough to move inside as a linebacker, but he's going to play somewhere in the NFL. The only place the disability will affect him is in using his hands, but he's perfected a way of using a flipper, which is an old-fashioned technique, and he does it exceptionally well. From ESPN's Adam Schefter, receiver Jarvis Landry told the Dolphins he'll sign the franchise tag, but signing that tag will not keep him from pursuing a trade. He and his agent have permission to pursue a deal. NHL Predators look to run their winning streak to eight straight when they visit the Avalanche today. Nashville's got a four-point lead on Vegas for first overall in the West. Roger Bannister, the first runner to break the four-minute mile barrier, has died at the age of 88.
You know, in something so obvious, they call it a no-brainer? Well, here's a big one. Barbasol is finally making razors. Introducing the Barbasol Ultra 6 Plus. It's got six ultra-thin blades for a close, comfortable shave. You can go to Barbasol.com right now and save some money. That's a no-brainer, too. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. It's Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner with you till 12 noon. Hey, we got the Big Ten Championship game later today, don't we? Three o'clock. Now, Michigan and Penn Purdue. 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 This is, I know it's sacrilege, and we're going to talk uh, about the Horizon League in a, in a moment. Uh, they have their tournament continuing today, and we're going to, we'll, we'll figure out why it's continuing the way it is. Um, but, I don't quite understand. I I think that if you win your league, you should go to the NCAA championship because you play eighteen games, okay, and then and you win your conference, and then you go to a conference tournament and lose, and you don't go. I mean, that could happen with Loyola today, but at least an Illinois school is guaranteed of going because Illinois plays Illinois. I mean, Illinois State plays Loyola, mm-hmm. so one of them will go to the tournament. Mm-hmm. One of them, mm-hmm. and UIC mm-hmm. plays, and they're hoping that they get a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. There was a nice story about Al Frederick Hughes in the paper today um, from when Loyola went uh, back in the 80s. And um, that was interesting. But I don't like conference tournaments. I know it's sacrilege to say on ESPN because ESPN runs like every conference championship games you can possibly find. You know, Sun Belt will come up soon, and you know the Horizon League Championship game may be there. I don't know, but I'm just not a fan because I don't think it's fair that a team that wins its conference, playing their the whole schedule, doesn't just get in. If you want to put them in and then get it, you know, play a tournament and let somebody else in, that's fine. But I think the team that wins the conference should always go. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, not everything can be the EPL. <laughs> well, I mean, there was for the longest time there were a lot of uh, a lot of them that didn't have conference tournaments. That's true. That's true. And then they figured the only reason conference tournaments are there, the only reason, yeah, is to to make money. Well, and yeah. some of the conference tournaments don't draw anybody. Well, the Big Ten championships been in Madison Square Garden. Why is it in Madison? Why is it in uh, New York in Madison Square Garden? Yep. It should be in Madison. Sure, it should. Is where it should be. Yep, it should be. It's not. And the Horizon League championship. And I love that you're already mad at the tournament. That you're already upset with the way the tournament is structured, with the, tur- the Horizon League tournament. Yes, I am. There's no doubt about it. And we'll, we'll get and Chris Black right now. I don't know if Chris right is going to have the answer to he, your, he to may, your he may not. anger. But Hopefully he can rail about this, too, or he can find out from the guys at UIC. We go, we go up to Detroit and bring in a guy that's usually sitting here with us, but he is up in Detroit for UIC basketball this afternoon, Chris Black. Chris, how are you? So, Fred, you're upset that the Flames now have a shot to get to the NCAA tournament because yesterday, last night, Northern Kentucky, the yes. team of the Horizon League in the regular season, they got bounced. They lost to Cleveland State 89-80. to So now every team that's still alive in the Horizon League, you got a chance to get to the tournament now. Yeah, but that's not why Tell I'm me. upset. You know why I'm upset? I'm yeah. upset that the number one seed in the <laughs> tournament, they should play the yeah. last game. I mean, they, you know what I'm saying? They shouldn't play before the two, the three seed and the four seed and the five seed. All those seeds should play first. Um, the number one seed, okay, Cleveland State was eight. Okay, eight and nine played. Eight. Cleveland State beats Youngstown State um, on Friday. 
Okay, so on Saturday, Cleveland State plays again. That game should have been the last game of the night because first they played already, and second of all, the number one seed was Northern Kentucky. That's why I'm upset. Okay, but uh, you understand that today, so the way the Horizon League does it is that today is the quarterfinals. So yesterday there were two quarterfinal games, and today is also the quarterfinals. So the games taking place today are still on that same level of the bracket, and you move ahead towards the semifinals for tomorrow night. And the championship game is Tuesday night. <sighs> Doesn't make sense. <laughs> you're, you're, no, 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 it makes sense. So, like, so even though the games are yesterday, it's not like Northern Kentucky had to play um, a game before the teams who are playing today, like, some advantage in the bracket. It's just that's the way they had to organize the way the bracket kind of looks, even though today is still the quarterfinals. So, Whoever wins today will be heading towards the semifinals will take place tomorrow night. Yeah, no, I understand that. But but what I'm saying is why is it that four and five did and three and six didn't play yesterday and then one and two played today? Fred, I'll ask someone. Um, I'm not sure if I'll get an answer, but I'll try and find out for you. Find out from the commissioner because let's be honest. Do other tournaments have their number one seed play before their two and three seeds? I'd have to go back and look at the tournaments, but you would think your number one seed always plays the final game of the day. Of the day. Uh, or of the, the, right. the bracket. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm complaining about. Otherwise, I imagine I imagine it has to do with they didn't want four games on one day. Right. Yeah. So I can see that. Two and two. So oh. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, Great. I, All there, right. What's up, guys? No, there's nothing. I mean, I'd love to see UIC get in. I've been talking for a couple of weeks. It would be great to see UIC and Loyola. Now Loyola's one game away from getting in, and UIC's a couple games away from getting in. Yeah, and last night it was pretty shocking when Northern Kentucky lost. Uh, the other game, Wright State, who's the second-best team in the Horizon League, they won. So that's the team that's waiting UIC. If UIC can beat Milwaukee, Today, the game is at uh, 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Jonathan Hood and I will have coverage on USC starting at 3.45 this afternoon Central time. So just tune in, hang out with Jonathan and myself. And uh, so if the Flames win today against Kentucky, it will try to state the team that do the last game of the regular season. So it will be a revenge game, and it will be another chance to see if the Flames can get to the NCAA tournament. Okay. Adam Abdallah, what would you do as a producer? If your guest was your guest's phone was doing what Chris is well, doing. Well, I would think that Chris would <laughs> as a producer would also get his butt to a landline. So oh, I, you, I, you guys want a landline? Me, you want me closer to the window? What what would you like? I mean, we're just having a little bit of issues. And I I understand that putting you on hold and then taking you off of hold really doesn't do anything. <laughs> so I'm just gonna hope that this gets better. But uh I will Is ask, it better now? It's better yeah, I guess so. Uh we'll find okay. out while I ask after I ask you this guys, question. I'll take the blame. So you mentioned <laughs> that the that they will face Wright State. They lost to Wright State eighty eight eighty one. They also lost their previous game before that. How does mm-hmm. this team coming in to uh, how does the how UIC coming into a game against Milwaukee, who they've beaten twice this season, look after losing their last two games? Well, they've won twelve of their last sixteen games since the start of the new year. So the team has really played, and it all started on the defensive end. They're led by the defensive player of the year in the Horizon League, Ty Odiasi. and then they're led with uh, four guards who are underclassmen. So, you know, Marcus Adi, Targus Ferguson, these guys can really do everything uh, as far as lead guards. 
And, and the Flames, over the course of the last 15 games, have really played well. And, Abdallah, you pointed out that they lost their last two games at home. Those last two games were against the two best teams in the Horizon League. So Coach Steve McClain looked at it as it was a good test heading into the tournament play. And now that you look at how the tournament is shaken out, Northern Kentucky got bounced yesterday. So really, you just have to revenge the loss to Wright State, and you have a, a chance, a really good chance, to get to the NCAA tournament. So uh, to really answer the question, they've been playing well as of late. They've lost their last two at home, but really the team defense leading to good offense, and they're an exciting young team that plays fast. They get up and down the floor, and, and it's been an exciting year, one of the best years in UIC history in the last 15 years. And you look at, I'm looking at three-point uh, percentages and things like that, and um, three-point shots and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously, three points are Im- important in uh, the NBA. Uh, is Does UIC take a advantage of the three-point arc or, you know, as a, a team that runs up and down the court? Obviously, they like to get to the basket. But do they uh, take advantage of the three-point line as much as uh, you would like? Um, you know, and I think uh, Coach Steve McLean would admit this as well, and the answer is no. Um, here's the thing that's kind of funny about the UIC Flames, and they've played well as of late, is uh, they lead the league in turnovers. Uh, they don't shoot that great from three, Fred. Yeah. And they, they are not that great of a shooting team overall, but somehow they win games because they're more athletic than the other teams. They play great defense. Um, when they get everyone in, involved, it's not just one guy scoring the basketball. The UIC Flames are really dangerous. And, you know, Jonathan and I will call these games and we look at each other and, like, you go up and down the stat sheet and it's like, wow, the Flames again lead uh, the game in turnovers. Oh, again, they, they lead in this and that. And you're like, none of these stats add up to a victory. Oh, wait, but you get five, six, seven guys all scoring, all helping out, all playing defense, and that's where you get the W. So, yeah, Fred, you know, um, I think Coach McClain would admit that having, like, a three-point specialist on the team would really help them out. I know Godwin Bowen so far in Horizon League play has shot almost 50% from three, so he's really stepped it up. He's a, a, a underclassman point guard who com- comes off the bench. He won the six-man of the year award in the horizon league. So they, they could use some more three point shooting. And when you look at the stats, it doesn't really kind of add up sometimes, but it's a, a total group collective effort for the UIC flames. You just said that it's a, it's a group effort and looking at their stat sheets the last few games, it pretty much has been a group effort, but you see sometimes in tournaments, especially when you get down to the NCAA tournament, that teams can ride one guy for a couple weeks and one guy can really carry a team deeper into the tournament. Does UIC have that guy that can take over a game when they need to down the stretch? Well, the answer uh, quickly would be Dikembe Dixon. Dikembe Dixon leading uh, the team in scoring this season, 14 points per game. Uh, He shoots 38% from the field. Uh, He's at his best when he's getting the little pop shot around 15 feet and his ability to keep going to the hole, going to the basket. Steve McClain is always reminding him, don't settle for the outside jump shot. But the, the, the other answer I would give you is two guys. Marcus Adi, point guard. He's a sophomore, and Targus Ferguson, also a guard, uh, sophomore for the UIC Flames. These two guys in Horizon League play have both stepped up points per game. Uh, Ferguson averaging 9.8 points per game in the Horizon League, and Marcus Adi averaging 14.6 points per game in the Horizon League. He's actually been their leading scorer 
in conference play. So Marcus Adi's a, a really fascinating player because he almost exclusively shoots close to the basket, even though he's a point guard. And on the season, he's averaging 52% uh, from the field. And so that tells you, as a guard, he is dynamic. He can get to the rim. He gets close to the bucket. And when he gets there, he can finish. So to answer the question, Dikembe Dixon is a legit scorer. But watch out for Ferguson or Adi because both of these guys can get hot and they are more athletic. They are better than many of the guys in this tournament. And they could carry the Flames to a couple couple wins. Chris, I've got one more UIC question. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about the NBA and I'll let Adam talk about it because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to the NBA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you and Jonathan know the UIC program. You got, you know, even before you were doing some of the games, I mean, Jay Hood was doing them, and you might have been back here in the studio running the board when the games were here or whatever. Uh, so you know UIC basketball. How surprised are the two of you guys at the season that they had this year? Um, It's a good question, Fred. And, my, and I'm not trying to stall while I think of the answer uh, by saying good question because that's what all uh, good guests do. Um, I think... The, the season has kind of played out how we thought it would. And what I mean by that is I'm not sure if I thought that they would lose, lose as many games early on in the schedule as they did, but I also wasn't expecting the run of 10 straight wins in the middle of the Horizon League. So I, I know that preseason, the coaches and uh, media picked UIC to be the third best team in the Horizon League. And that's where they fell at the end of the season. Okay. And I know the way Coach McClain um, organized the schedule was that he wanted to challenge the Flames. I mean, this Flames team went to Kentucky this season and lost at Ruppel Arena. So, I mean, like, he wanted to challenge them early. And I think it's really paid off once they got into the Horizon League schedule. And I think it's kind of played out the way it is. This team, super young, still the youngest team in the Horizon League. And as they grow... And you know these smaller conferences, the more that you have juniors and seniors contributing, that's the better you're going to be. And their best players for the UIC Flames are all sophomores. So they're only going to grow from here. So it's pretty exciting. Cool. Chris, I'd like to take you to take your five-star three-subject notebook and uh, flip the <laughs> subjects and open up the NBA portion of the uh, the five-star. I used to always okay. use, I used to always use those. Do you have the Did you have the ones with the pockets where you could put the papers? Yeah, in, no, as the no, just the one with the, divi- the, the regular divider. divider. Yeah, and you'd have different sports and different teams and all that stuff. Yeah. So have if, some. I'll bring them in and show you. I remember we had them <laughs> yeah, too. We yeah. didn't have iPads when we were in high school. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the Cavs lose to the Nuggets. They're two and four in their last six games since the All Star break. Those two wins are to teams below five hundred. The four losses to teams above five hundred. What's wrong with the Cavs after you know all the sunshine and puppy dogs after they made the trade before the All Star break? Yeah, I appreciate the sarcasm you threw in there at the end because I would like to add some to that. I mean, I thought everything was fixed at the trade deadline. I thought LeBron James was uh, going to go undefeated from the trade deadline all the way throughout the regular season, get to the NBA Finals, and finally beat the Warriors again. No, I mean, okay, so here, here's the deal. Jordan Clarkson, nice player, but there's a reason the Lakers didn't want him around anymore. And I think if you're banking everything on – Nance Jr., Clarkson, and Rodney Hood saving the day. I'm just not sure at the trade deadline the Cavs did enough to be able to get past Toronto, Boston, other teams in the East. I know some people might hear that and say, well, you're crazy. They have LeBron James still. The, the problem is LeBron can't do it all by himself anymore. He, he used to be able to do it all by himself. And we saw last year in the finals that 
He was outstanding. He was averaging triple doubles. He was almost the MVP of the finals for a losing team. But the problem is, when you go against other teams, the way pace is played now, the defense is so good, LeBron can't do it by himself. And so you go out and you make all of these deals at the trade deadline, and they are a better team than they were. Are they good enough to get to the finals? I'm not sure because the Celtics are really good. Toronto's really good. There's a lot of good talent in the Eastern Conference, and I think it's kind of naive to just sit around and do the, well, I'm just not going to bet against LeBron. Okay, well, watch the games because they're not they're not necessarily playing better basketball. And you, you rattled off the record, Abdallah, but, like, you look up and they, get, they lose to the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a good, talented team that runs with pace. They have bigs that move, and they have guards that attack. And it's like, yeah. The Cavs aren't good at defense. You thought Jordan Clarkson's going to change that? George Hill is just all of a sudden going to turn that around? I mean, George Hill wasn't very good for the Kings earlier in the season. So you're telling me that was all motivation? I mean, come on, please. That's unbelievable. You mentioned how they're going to compete with the Celtics. The Celtics also lose in last night's game to the Rockets. Uh, I guess a, a two-part question. Are the Celtics now... Have they put themselves as the one of the best teams? I mean, they've they scored 120 points. I know the Rockets don't. The Rockets do play pretty decent defense. Uh, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league, and the Celtics managed to put up 120 points against them. They've done that a few times this season. Can the Celtics be a team or that gives the Cavs a run and Toronto a run for an Eastern Conference championship? Well, obviously they can they can make a run, but I my question back to you would be who's the guy that you're counting on when the teams who uh, are elite at defense shut down Kyrie Irving? I'm well, not sure if they're I'm not sure if they have a guy who can step in and take off some of the scoring load from Kyrie. And you know how these playoff series work that you can't just have one guy go out there and try and score fifty to get through a seven game series. Is it going to be Jalen Brown? Is it Jason Tatum? Has he hit the rookie wall? Is it going to bounce back from the rookie wall? Or is he kind of going to fail out, you know, flail out through the rest of the regular season? So, you know, I mean, the Boston Celtics, yeah, they're going to be coached better than anyone else in the East. They're going to have a team that plays really tough defense, some of the best defense in the conference. But, you know, if I ask you this, there are only two teams in basketball that both have top five offensive and defensive efficiency ratings. And that's the Golden State Warriors, and everyone would say, yeah, that makes sense. They're the best team in basketball. Yeah, okay. The other team, the Toronto Raptors. So, I mean, Toronto is really good. The stats say that they're really good. They're number one in the East. And then also their point differential, I think they're second or third now behind the Golden State and the Rockets. So, I mean, I, I think everyone's sleeping on we the North, the Toronto Raptors. I mean, DeMar DeRozan has really, really improved this season. He's a two-way player. He's not just a scorer. And and I think if you put him against Kyrie Irving in a seven-game series, I'm not sure if I would say that Kyrie's the better player. I think I would go with DeMar DeRozan. You and I have talked about this. I'm still going with Kyrie. The other team in that matchup uh, last night were the Rockets. James Harden goes for 26 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, and 5 steals. Uh, He's I would say almost locked up the MVP uh, this season so far. Can the Rockets be a legit threat to the Warriors? Yeah, they can be a legit threat. I mean, they're playing great basketball, and it's funny. It's um, 
maybe maybe Fred hasn't played uh, the video games like you and I have, but like I remember back in the day, you play a video game and you figure out one play that works, and then you're going against your buddy, and then all you do is that one play, and they they get so mad that they disconnect the the system, <laughs> and, and and the loss doesn't go on their record. Like that's what Houston is. They run the same play over and over and over again, and nobody can stop it, and it's so efficient, and James Harden is so good. Um, can, they, can they be a threat to the Warriors? Yes. Can they beat the Warriors? I'm not sure, because at the end of the day, who's going to stop Kevin Durant when he's playing as And I think that's going to be the, the difference between the Rockets and the Warriors. And I think also Steph Curry has been like sleeping in the weeds a little bit, waiting for his turn, and he's turned it on a little bit as of late. But Steph Curry is still one of the top players in the league, and and I just find it hard to believe that the Rockets will be able to beat Golden State. So, Chris, uh, 4 o'clock Chicago time, you and Jay Hood with the call on the UIC Flames game, uicflames.com. They play Milwaukee, and uh, hopefully a win, and then they advance to the semis tomorrow. That would be nice. Yeah, so uh, 345, Jonathan and I will kick it off at the Little Caesars Arena here in Detroit, Michigan. So Ooh, pizza, pizza. 345, UICflames.com, <laughs> and we'll have the game between uh, UIC and Milwaukee. Fred uh, Abdallah, can I ask one question? Mm-hmm. Or can sure. I tell you guys a, a quick story? Do you have one minute? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We have 250. Okay, so, so I got a bagel this morning, and I'm eating the bagel. And I realized that halfway through as I'm eating the bagel, on the back side of the bagel is a hair. No, no, <laughs> no. No, here's my question. Here's my question. It was it was only touching one back portion of the bagel. Oh no! Should I have eaten the rest of the bagel around it, or should I have thrown the bagel out completely? I know what I would have done, but go ahead. I Adam. how far away were you from where you purchased this bagel? Pretty far. I was up in my hotel room. I purchased the bagel on uh, a street level. So you don't uh, know if the, the hair came from the bagel where you bought it or in somewhere in your room? Oh, no, 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 no. no. This was a rogue hair. Not It was not my hair. No, no. I mean, but it could have been in the room before. Yeah, but it could have been like that. No, the, the, no. Okay. It, was, um, it, was, it was fresh. It was uh, right out of the box, uh, like first yeah. couple bites. I yeah. would try. I would, if it was close enough, I would have tried to take the bagel back and be like, this. I didn't pay for a hair. I don't want this. Give me a new bagel. But if you're already back up in your room and you're set, I might. I don't know. I, I, might just, I know what I would do. I would have eaten three quarters. I would have. It was in the bottom of the bagel. Okay, so it was. It was in the hole. Oh, it was no. in the hole of the bagel, no. and it was it was stuck to some Asiago cheese. No, see, you once you've penetrated the bagel like that, yeah, no, I, you know, you yeah. gotta get rid of the whole bagel. I thought it might have been on the bottom no. or on the top, and but if it's if it's in the middle, it, you're it was in on the far it was on the far rim in nope. the hole. But you don't know where. Maybe that's where you saw it. It probably went around the whole rim. No, it was stuck to the cheese. I, I saw. Uh, it. I, I I inspected. Yeah, no. I would have. I would have looked for another no. one. Yeah, I would have eaten a granola bar. Yeah. Sorry. All right, that's all I've got. 345UICflames.com, Flames and Panthers. Hold on, you didn't say what you did. Oh, I um, <laughs> I uh, took uh, one more bite, and then I looked at it a second time, oh. and then I just threw, I threw the whole thing out. I mean, you are in Detroit. It's like a food desert out there, so you, I mean, you got to eat what you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it is beautiful Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Is this downtown you, where the guys. tournament is? I mean, is it is it downtown where the arena is? I I don't. Uh... Okay, so um, 
Little Caesars Arena is to uh, Ford Field, so it's on like the backside of the downtown cityscape. You said like that. You said it's next to Ford Field. Yeah, it's close to Ford Field. It's okay. Like, they, well, they do a yeah. good job then because Comerica is right next door to Ford Field, right? And then, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all one like sports complex area. That's a good idea. That's a nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. They should they should have done that here years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been nice. Yeah, then they had the room. Okay, <laughs> Chris, thanks a lot. We'll we'll give it a listen later on. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. That is Chris Black. He is in. Detroit, along with Jay Hood, getting ready to call the UIC game as they take on Milwaukee. And, um, yeah, it'd be great to see, you know, Loyola or uh, Loyola. If Illinois State beats them, hey, Illinois State goes. <laughs> but, and it would be great to see UIC get in. And then it puts even more pressure and more ridicule on DePaul and Northwestern. Well, Northwestern is, is definitely a sad story. It is after last year. After last year, the run that they won on in the tournament, you thought that they could build off of that. Them not even, even having a shot at making the tournament is just bad for, bad for them. Hopefully they can turn it around next year. But yeah, it'd be cool to see a couple, Teams get bounced in the first round from the NCAA tournament that are from Illinois, wouldn't it? Well, come on. They could actually win. Or you can bet heavily against them if you'd like. Probably end up doing that. (laughs) Okay. 312-332-3776. That's the number. We're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. They come up later on tonight. We'll discuss that. We may or may not be uh, joined by Ed Nanverk. He is uh, doing a show up there. We can just talk about him. It's fine. Yeah. No, no. I mean, but you can explain to me us exactly what he's doing, right? Yeah, he's on the red carpet. Yeah, but where you can see that. Oh, where you can see the him on the red carpet? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, hopefully by, <laughs> by, before between the commercial break, we can figure it out and talk about it right here on the Morgan Park to Glenview to Merrillville to Downers Grove. You're listening to Chicago's number one sports station, ESPN 1000. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Four more bids to the NCAA tournament will be handed out today to conference championship game winners. Michigan and Purdue made up in the Big Ten final. Liberty versus Radford for the Big South crown. In the Missouri Valley title game, Illinois State takes on Loyola Chicago. And Florida Gulf Coast meets Lipscomb in the Atlantic Sun final. What so many of us love about March Madness, the Cinderella teams, but this year don't expect one of them to win an NCAA title, says ESPN College Basketball Insider Myron Medcalf. It's Virginia Villanova, Duke, North Carolina, Purdue, Michigan State, Kansas, Wichita State, I think maybe I put them in that category as well, Xavier. But that's pretty much it for me. I mean, there aren't many teams outside of that 9, 10 teams where I say, okay, they're going to have a chance to win the championship. So I think people who are thinking this is wide open might be in for a shot. But winning a game is so much different from making a run the same Myron Metcalf on game day. NFL ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting. Receiver Jarvis Landry has told the Dolphins he'll sign the franchise tag, which is expected to pay him around $16.2 million next season. Signing of the tag will not end Landry's pursuit of trade, which Miami has given him permission to do. Cole Hamels does not agree with the Rangers' plan to potentially use a six-man starting rotation this season. He says he knows it's the new analytical side of trying to reinvent the wheel, but it is not part of baseball. Roger Bannister, the first runner to break the four-minute mile barrier in 1954, which was one of the defining sporting achievements of the last century, has died at the age of 88. 
Ryan Blaney is the pole sitter for the Monster Energy Cup race in Las Vegas. The ACC Tournament, live from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Coverage begins Wednesday at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio, presented by Zell. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you. Very sunny day today, which is nice. There's a little chance of rain tomorrow. But uh, sunny today. My wife said, hey, she goes, when you get home, could you? We, we got one of those. She bought one of those uh, hyacinth bulbs that come in a little uh, vase. And you can grow it inside, which okay. is great until it gets to be about seven or eight inches and it tips over. And then you try to stand it up and put a spike in there, and then it tips over the other way. We can't have plants in yeah. my, my apartment. Oh, no? Um, Allergic to it? Bugs? No, no, it's not that. It's just that anything we we have tried, which probably doesn't bode well if we ever try to have kids, um, every, every not done well. plant that we have yeah. has died, including cacti. Like that's amazing. That, you had to go some to cactuses, do that. Yeah. cacti, whatever, have died in my apartment with water, yeah. sun, everything just dead. Yeah, that's, I don't know if it's the apartment. Good. Yeah, and maybe like I don't know. There's something wrong with the apartment, or it's us. I don't know. I think I'm going to find a little pot to put this in instead of digging into the ground because I think the ground might be a little hard to try to dig down and put a thing uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise this thing's going to tip all over the place. But anyway, that's what I get to do today. Before uh, later on tonight, I'll, be, I'll watch some basketball today. I watch a lot of soccer today, and then the uh, the Oscars later on tonight. Um, how many of these Oscar movies have you seen? I have seen them all, Fred. Except, have you really? Except for The Post. Okay, I didn't see. I haven't. I've seen Darkest Hour, mm-hmm. Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Boy, I've only seen three, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now I have Shape of Water. And I have Get Out. I I had Get Out on um, cable, too, and I just never watched it. It's on HBO. Yeah, I have it. I got rid of it on my DVR because I have the DVD now from from the SAG-AFTRA people. So I've seen three. And so you saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And we're not going to give away the movie in case anybody didn't see it. There are three billboards in Missouri. Yeah, and that's that's basically Just outside it. of it. I heard, I heard Ray doing his uh, thing on Friday night <laughs> with you guys. And you guys had all kinds of fun with Ray. and He knows all about ebbs and flows, but he doesn't know Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, that guy. Um, but did you feel the same way I did in that movie? The end just kind of left me like, really? you just ending like that? Yeah. No, that's the point, though. Yeah. Like that's I don't have a problem. A lot of people have a problem with I that. Did. Just the same yeah. way people have a problem with the ending of Sopranos. The same way people have the the ending of Lost. I don't. I don't. Oh, the mind ending it. of Lost sucked. Sopranos, I, I didn't Sopranos, I, I thought was okay. I loved the ending of Lost. It's perfect. I, I I thought I just wasted. How many years was Lost on? No, I love Lost. I thought it's one I of my favorite lost. shows ever. Mine too. I watched it all the time, and then the end, I go really. You got to be kidding me! That's I almost it? dislike the, the DVR on-demand culture because I much prefer watching shows live in a week-to-week setting. Okay, like, I hate binge watching. Yeah, you know shows. I'm not. The, I wasn't the biggest fan either. And then it, there's just 
you know, I've talked to some other people, and I may have talked to you also, and I know, Eric, I, there's just so much good stuff on TV, you've got no choice but to binge watch. Yeah, I mean, there's certain shows where, like, if I'm going to watch, like, Stranger Things, I'll just watch all the way through and not yeah. care. But when it was when Breaking Bad was on, when shows like that were on, I enjoyed watching the show, reading about it the next day, thinking about it all week, talking to people about it, and then... Watching another episode and like repeating the cycle. I enjoyed doing that. People don't do that anymore. The ending of Three Billboards was, I think that's going to win Best Picture. You think it will? I think it will. Um, I enjoyed it. I I think that the, the, um, I think that the, uh, the Academy likes to spread these awards around. So I think that if I had to make picks, I would say Three Billboards wins Best Picture. Gary Oldman wins Best Actor. Um, Francis McDormand wins Best Actress, uh, and Best Director goes to uh, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. Just because they like to give, well, this you get this, and this movie gets this, and this. It's it's rare now that like an award, like a movie, will sweep a bunch of things and right. just win everything. Yeah, because they feel like they like to pick out uh, one or two things from each movie and highlight it. Now, to me though, the best movie was Get Out. And okay. 20 years from now, 25 years from now, when we're looking back at, at 2017 as or the year in movies. You'll say, how did this one not win? Well, and you'll say, remember, get out. We're not going to remember three billboards or uh-huh. Shape of Water other than some girl, you know, uh, having a relationship with a f- man fish. Creature. Yeah. Exactly. We're not going to know the post. It's a historical event. We all know Phantom Thread. Like three people have seen Phantom Thread. You're right. No, Almost no one's seen it. And the, it's, it's so strange to me that uh, Darkest Hour and Dunkirk are both in there. There's two movies about Dunkirk. <laughs> yes, there are. There's two of them. <laughs> yeah. And nothing happens in Call Me By Your Name. They go on bike rides and enjoy fruit. Yeah, I know. I didn't watch that. I've got it. I have not watched it. Uh, I thought Lady Bird was very good. I I, did, I hated Lady Bird. Did you really? Oh, I hated Lady Bird. I don't I don't. Why did you hate Lady no Bird? no appeal. She's. Her parents love her so much, and she's just she's just annoying. And she, I, there's nothing to like you don't about think that her. Happens in real life that, on a daily basis. I yes, in the whitest of suburbs ever. It happens every <laughs> single day. And yes. oh, she goes off to college, and oh, she misses her parents. Uh-huh. That's the big reveal. I don't care. It's so dumb. I I think I'm at a point in my life, Fred, where. I'm not nostalgic enough to enjoy coming of age tales about high school. Yeah. Like I'm not that old yet. And I'm also too old to identify and be like, Oh yeah, I hated my parents too in high school. Like I don't care. Yeah. It's, that's not a, I know it's, it's her story because she made this movie. Yeah. Director, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. And so this is like her story and, and I, I don't mean to take shots at her life, but. Wait, what was wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with your life. Like that's I, I, no, I'm really. No, you're right. There really was nothing wrong with her. What was her the life. worst thing that happened to her? She she didn't have a lot of friends in high school. Great. So did ninety percent of high schoolers <laughs> feel ostracized in their high school? That's the way it is. That's yes, what high school is all about. High school, great. Yeah. Well, you don't need to make a movie about it. Get Out was original. It was. It sh- hopefully will win best original screenplay. Um, it was well. It was insanely well directed it looked good everything about it was good it had a great ending a great storyline the acting was great i think that that should be i don't i know it's not going to win it's a long shot but if i were giving out the award it would go to get out what were your thoughts about i tanya i thought it was good i don't i was a little too young for to know that to know like like i knew the story like obviously in this business we know the story of what happened i i kind of 
felt bad for Nancy Kerrigan. So she was, oh, was kind of like she was kind of painted as like the you know as kind of a kind of an ass. I, mean, I you know kind of I mean? felt I actually kind of felt bad for Tanya Harding. But that's the way. But that's the perspective in which the story was told. I'm sure if we got I, I care, if we had I Kerrigan, <laughs> you know, it'd be completely different. You know what I mean? Uh huh. So. I just I think that you know it's it's not a documentary. I know Carmen's talked about that all week. It's right. not we're getting one side of the story, and that is her side. And it kind of you know we it all we, comes down to one question: Did she know? Yeah, that did, they were gonna and we don't and the movie claims that she doesn't. And then yeah. we kind of I don't know. It's kind of also making light of her domestic violence issues and right. that kind of stuff. And you know, I mean, I thought it was a decent. Movie. I also thought it was trying to. It was kind of trying to be the Wolf of Wall Street of sports movies. Like I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. Did you see um, the Big Sick? I love the Big Sick. Yes, I love. And you the know Big what? Sick. Comedies almost never get up. Are, are up for winning the big award? No, they it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but original screenplay. It, it was. It's a really good movie. I just actually heard. Um, uh, Kumal and his wife Emily, Emily yeah. who the movie's based on. Yeah. They were uh, Mark Marin did an, inter- an interview with the two of them, and they talked all about oh, the movie and what that. was real and what wasn't real, and and it was you know it was it was pretty much the story, and he talked about his his mm-hmm. dad not um you know uh, n- n- the whole family really well, having a problem with see, it, the way they were I, raised and everything. I like it because yeah, he's Indian and he's uh, he's also Muslim, and I as a Muslim, I I like identified with it more. Like that's not how my family was, but I know kids and I have friends whose parents were like that, and so and are like that. So I identified a lot with it more. I just everything he does is is really good. Yeah, I know, I know. I heard you telling the camel story earlier this week. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Adam Amdala, Fred Hubner, we come back. We'll be joined by Adnan Verk. He is on Oscar dot com tonight with his red carpet show and much much more. We'll talk. About that, we come back right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in Sunday. And uh, obviously there's uh, basketball today, there's Major League Soccer, and there's the Oscars. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Adnan Verk from ESPN joins us and also from Oscar.com. Adnan, how are you today? I'm doing great, fellas. How you doing in the great city of Chicago? We're doing wonderful. It's a nice day. We just got done talking about some of the movies. Adam here has seen every movie. I've only seen like four of them up for the best picture and uh this has to be this has to be fun for you because and we know you're a huge baseball guy we, we're not gonna get much time to talk baseball we'll have to do that some other time after you're done with your oscar responsibilities <laughs> but um but yeah this has to be fun how much time do you have to spend first of all seeing all these movies and then doing all the prep for this kind of this uh for the big day tonight well, it's so funny, man, because you're right. It, it, just as we work in sports, which is a dream job for so many, and it is a dream job, but at times it does feel like work. Similarly, with studying for the Oscars, it is work. And so, listen, it's not necessarily uh, grueling having to watch three <laughs> billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri in November, because I want to see that movie anyways, regardless if I have this job or not. And I couldn't wait to watch The Shape of Water, because I love Guillermo del Toro's work, and I love Pan's Labyrinth and Michael Shannon and all the rest of it. But... When I got this gig last year, Ben Lyons, who is the sole reason I have this gig, he works for ESPN LA 710. His dad's Jeffrey Lyons, a famous film critic. And Ben, this is his 11th Oscars. He used to cover the Oscars for years for E. And now we're doing the Oscars All Access on Oscar.com tonight, official second screen experience. Ben knew. He goes, listen, when I got you in there, I said, this guy's going to take it seriously. And so I watch everything. So tonight when you guys are watching and people say, God, 
who watches best live action shorts? I'm that guy. I watched all five live action shorts. I watched the animation shorts. I watched the documentary shorts. I saw four of the five nominees for best documentary. The only one where I stumbled a bit is four 